Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. I don't like so totally null today. This is great. I mean, you know, it's either I have um, an interview with somebody, you know, huge and famous, I'm totally stressed or, well, not totally stressed. I'm getting better at it. Uh, Or I'm just like completely just, you know, like cruising. (laughs) Today I'm completely cruising because I got friends. I got Brianna who just called, literally just called in. Uh, I got Josie in the second hour and the third hour. I'm going to talk about airplanes and and why the skies are not safe like they used to be. In fact, there's a lot of things that are not like it used to be. In fact, that's that's kind of a theme I want to uh, um, ask Brianna about. First of all, I want to find out what's on her mind. But secondly, you know, I'm I'm thinking to myself, especially for younger folks, the world we're living in is not normal. This is not a normal situation. We have political correctness. We have groups defining their own pronouns. We have all kinds of absurd things being taught in schools. We have a left that's gone completely nuts. They're, they're, they're jabbing everybody with a dangerous substance. Uh, they're, they're you know, spilling out these bogus theories like climate change, and they're trying to run everybody's life. You know, and the world would be better if we just had no left. <laughs> it just would. I mean, just you know, let's reeducate all these people like they want to reeducate us and just say, no, stop being so stupid. Stop, stop ruining the rest of our lives. I mean, there's no problem. There's really no – in fact, I'll, I'll, let me ask Brianna right now. She's not even on the air yet, but let me ask her right now. You know, is there any problem that wouldn't be made better if the, if the left had no political power at all? If they just talked to themselves, mumbled uncontrollably, you know, yelled and screamed and babbled and just you know, had their own little groups and they just shut up for the rest of us. But wouldn't that be – I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't wanna, I'm not going to get rid of any constitutional rights. I'm not going to do anything that uh, you know, so limits these folks. But it would just be a happier place. It just would. If we didn't have a left – We'd all be much happier, and they could just, like I say, you know, argue amongst themselves and leave the rest of us alone. But it never seems to quite work out that way. All right, let me look for uh, Brianna's thing, and then we'll get her on here. I still, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always mentally a little bit behind. Ah, there we go. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding All of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. So how are you doing this week? What's uh, what's you thinking? What's what's on your mind? What what has occurred to you to ask me about or to inquire into? Um, So there's a couple of different things for today. The first one... um, it's about Wyoming. It was actually from last week whenever I heard about it. So a lot more huh. people probably know about it at this point. But it's um, in Wyoming. They're starting to ban the sales of electric vehicles um, wait, by wait, 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 wait. 2035. They're banning, ele- banning electric vehicles? Yeah, by 2035. Oh, that's hysterical. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> You've got my interest. So... Um, they're doing it to ensure the stability of its oil and gas industry. And um, basically 
like throughout it, what they're saying is, you know, they don't have the infrastructure or enough to um, carry all of the charging stations and stuff. And also their economy is really dependent upon the oil and gas industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going back to, you know, using natural gas instead of, or <laughs> gas instead of electric vehicles. Hmm. You mean organic fuels, as we call them. I don't use the word fossil anymore because we obviously know you're not drilling bones. Okay, we're not getting our oil from old dinosaur bones. All right, let's get that straight. So we should start using the term fossil. Okay, so so how does that strike you? Well, pros and cons, what do you think? Um, I really am not sure of the cons. Okay, well, give me the pros. I'll start there. Well... Um, because it's slowly getting rid of the electric vehicles in a state because right now there's a big uh, globalizing push for everybody Mm -hmm. to get an electric vehicle. And, you know, that's a very controlling state to have an American in. Um, Mm -hmm. And it takes away, like, a lot of their future freedoms that they're going to have um, Mm -hmm. with a lot of risk and liabilities. Yeah. What if people want electric cars, though? Um, they can get them, but I guess not in Wyoming. Well, let's, let's, let's replace cars with guns. A state that says, you, you know, you, you can't buy guns in our state anymore. You know, for the public safety, for the public good, and to help our state out, because we, we make whatever, pick a state, um, California, and we have tourism, and they just had a, um, had a, you know, assassination by this, this very deranged person. And Gavin Newsom's all screaming and yelling, well, we've got to stop guns. Now, he's saying we're not going to confiscate them all. But what if they took that radical step and said we're no longer going to produce them, no longer going to sell them? You can't, you can't buy guns in California anymore. What's the difference? Um, well, with the guns and stuff, um, I mean, that's a direct violation of the Second Amendment. Um, mm-hmm. That one's a little bit more obvious. And, you know, Mm -hmm. buying a car and, like, whichever car that you want, you know, I feel like that also would be a freedom. Um, And, you know, there's part of it where it's, like, I guess, um, a sale being regulated by the state. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, throughout time there's been a lot of those. So I'm not really completely sure on that part um, where that falls and whether it's right or wrong. I mean, part of it, you know, you don't want the government in it. But you don't really know all the boundaries that the state government has, or I don't know all the boundaries the state government has either. Well, states have police powers. Uh, states, you know, basically the states can do uh, whatever is not prohibited by the state constitution or prohibited uh, by, you know, the Bill of Rights and things like that in the federal constitution. So the 14th Amendment says that the federal constitution will extend to the states because citizens of the United States are also citizens of the state in which they live, and they're entitled to privileges and immunities of citizenship uh, and equal protection of the laws. And since the, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, the Bill of Rights extends to the states. The parts in the Constitution that extend to the, the federal government you know, are, are limiting on the federal government. The Bill of Rights is almost like, a, it's, almost like its own Constitution. Because you know, it's not limiting, it's limiting government by what they cannot do to, to your rights. So the question is, is, is two questions here. And I'm, I'm leading to something. As soon as you mentioned this, I thought, hmm, okay, I know where I want to go with this. Um, so the question is, is on, on, on free, well, let's, let's talk about the first one I was thinking of. Do, do we have a right to travel? Yes. 
Okay. Well, I mean, not like a like I guess we have the freedom to do so. It's not like a directly stated right, but I mean, we have the freedom to do so. Okay. So the Ninth Amendment says that rights, you know, not specifically enumerated in the Constitution cannot be denied to the people. So just because the Constitution doesn't specifically, so the, Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the whole purpose of the Bill of Rights is to specifically limit government. It's not to limit your rights. It's not to say that these are the only rights you're going to have, but it's, it's these are the ones that they have picked to specifically limit government from touching at all. So the Ninth Amendment says the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So do the people retain a right to travel? In, in other words, in a free society, here's, here's where we get to the rhetorical part of the question. In a free society, can you call it a free society if we're not free to travel? No. Okay. So here's the next one in my, my, uh, my, my lawyerly trial court fashion. If we are free to travel... Are we not free to determine the method of travel? Um, yes, but there is actually a lot of laws on the methods of travel and where okay. you can use what and what you can drive and things like that. Okay, what comes to mind? Um, like, um, like I know in a lot of places you can't drive like four wheelers, um, just like. Mm-hmm. Uh, on your normal road or anything. Um, right. But it's not a restriction on four-wheelers completely. Type. They're not banning four-wheelers. They're just saying that you can't do that. I mean, speed limits limit people all the time because of the way the roads are engineered. You know, there's a speed limit on a, on a major interstate four-lane highway that's different than, you know, you, you know, your little neighborhood street. It doesn't mean you can't drive. It just means you can't drive at certain speeds in certain places. So that makes sense. So and those are well within the police powers of the state, but they don't. But four wheelers, for example, aren't banned. They're just places where they can do it. Same thing with with guns. You, know, you yeah. can go shoot them anywhere you want. We got target ranges, you know, where you know, and we got competitions, and we got hunting, we got things like that. You know, we even have self defense, but we don't have open. You can't just walk down the street and go. Hmm. I, never, I never did like that sign. <laughs> you know, boom. <laughs> okay. So what I'm getting at. Is is what you know is what they said it's like this reasonable test. What's reasonable, and also, I'm really getting to consistency. So if you believe in freedom, there may be things that sort of you know fit in the way of convenience for for your for your beliefs and your ideas. So electric car. I don't like electric cars uh, mostly because. Well, let me ask you this. Let me put it another way. I, I always try to get as, as much of an open-ended question as possible. Is it the electric car that's the problem? Or the government policies around electric cars that are the problem? Yeah, well, I mean, the government policies, um, I mean, there's the one aspect that, I mean, you're talking about now about, like, you know, the right for people to drive what they want. And mm-hmm. the reason that the state is doing it is because, you know, they want to preserve their um, industry and their economy because they feel like the infrastructure is weak and, you know, it'll really hurt them. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, a state government has to look at. Um, so I think there's, like, many different sides to what a state's decision is. And I think um, that is a uh, a fuzzy line where they're working with of, you know, are they taking uh, freedom away mm-hmm. while trying to um, fix the economy? Like, is, is there too big of a push, like too much of a um, – what was the word I'm looking for? Um I'm not sure. Uh, certainly, it's overregulation or overcontrol. Yeah. You know, in other words, do, well, well, the question really is: Does the state have the right to deny an industry or deny a product just because they're trying to promote? 
their own industry. So, so the question becomes, um, you know, what if, what if, uh, say, for example, let's, let's pick a, a southern state that grows cotton, all right? Do they have the right to mandate well, that I mean, only for cotton, example, cotton like shares drugs be bought? Are, uh-huh. Go ahead. Or, like drugs are banned, you know, because they're bad for people and stuff. Um, and so, you know, states will ban the use of men. You know, mm-hmm. it's still banning something. It's a good point. No, I mean, this is why I want to wrestle with this because, you know, it, that's a, it's a valid point. So certain, but certain drugs are illegal. Some, uh, certain, some drugs are non-prescription. Some drugs are prescription. And some drugs are just simply banned. You know, you can buy aspirin with a counter, yeah. as they say. Um, you know, various, anything with a long name is probably by prescription, you know. And uh, heroin is banned. You know, heroin's illegal. So you've got you've got these different gradations of that, or fentanyl especially. You know that's that's the newest one. That's the that's the most dangerous. Is illegal, and yet you know it's in the country. But that's another story. So the question is, are electric cars by their nature? Uh, and it doesn't mean that they have to be perfectly safe because nothing's perfectly safe, especially when abused by the person with it. You know, guns can be perfectly safe if you just leave them in the in the gun safe and never touch them. They're not going to do anything. You know, but it's, it's only by the user that you have a problem. Cars, same thing. You leave your car in the garage. It's perfectly safe. You know, nothing's going to happen. But that's not the point of a car. The point of a car is to drive it. So unless you use it, you know, um, you defeat the purpose of having one. So given that there's inherent risk in literally everything in being alive, um, what is reasonable for a state to do in the promotion of its own industry? You know, does Alaska, for example, ban, you know, electricity because they want to sell more oil? So this is, this is an interesting question. This is why I'm glad you brought it up. So, again, is it the policy of electric cars that's bad or the electric cars themselves? Is there something inherently dangerous about an electric car? Um, I mean, the electric car itself, like just being an electric car, you know, uh-huh. it, it literally can't pose a threat. But it's how, you know, the electric cars are used and what they do and how they work and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because they exist, they are used by humans and they're controlled by humans. So, I mean, that's what makes them dangerous and risky and um, to rely on and have. And, I mean, that doesn't – I mean, I don't think that should mean that, you know, somebody just isn't allowed to have one. Um, but, mm-hmm. it, like, of course, there is risks and stuff and factors to it. But like you said, you know, life comes with risks. Yeah. Yeah. So I know electric cars, for example, in the hurricane, after Hurricane Ian, uh, when the streets were flooded with salt water, salt water being incredibly conductive of electricity, these cars were blowing up uh, and catching fire. The batteries are a problem. Uh, the, what you do with the batteries after they've used up the useful life is a problem. The way that the, the lithium and the cobalt is mined is horrible. And we've got slave labor. You know, yeah, one of the of things that they laid out is, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, there were the waste that can't be recycled from um, used electric vehicles. Right. Do you have the bill in front of you by chance? Does it, or do you have a summary, or what? What exactly does it say? I'm curious. Um, I read it a couple of days ago, but I don't have it up anymore. But I do have. Um, just a normal um, article on it. Okay. Is the article for it or against it? Or are they wishy-washy? Um, <laughs> I don't know. The only, like, things I've seen that might lean is, like, quotations from the government. But, I mean, I honestly don't know. I think it's 
Okay. Well, who's opposing yeah. it? I mean, that's pretty good sign, though, you know, when you can't really tell. But. Well, no, I don't know, because I, I don't believe in uh, – there's no such thing as objective journalism. <laughs> Everybody takes a position. I just wish they'd be honest about it. This is why, you know, I say not only are we not objective journalists, we're not even journalists here. We're advocates. <laughs> Let's be straight. We're advocates of yeah. freedom. And so everything comes from that perspective. But once we say that, though, we don't have – everybody knows there's no pretense of objectivity on Action Radio. You know, we are advocates for freedom. We write bills for freedom. You know, so for something like this, I'll give you my perspective. I think it's wrong because I would not deny anybody the option of having an electric vehicle, even though me personally, uh, I don't want one. You know, but I'm sure they're, especially for local driving, actually they're not a bad idea, except that there are problems. My problem with electric vehicles are the government subsidies, the mandates, the push to have them, the, this drive for mono power. You know, and I, I call it monopower. So in other words, if, uh, if the only source of energy is electricity, I mean, I like energy diversity. There's a term you can throw that out sometime. You know, gas, oil, uh, electric, nuclear. I mean, all the geothermal, you know, all the different sources we can. If you want to stick a windmill on your rooftop, go for it. You know, if you have uh, solar panels that heat your house and you're, you're living in Phoenix, Arizona, it's sunny, you know, 290 days per year. Great. That's a great, you should have the freedom to do that. I would never take that away from people. What I object to, is the force and the subsidies. So what they're really doing is they're trying to counter the subsidies of electric power industry, of the, of the government regulation. Um, they're trying to, to counter the fact that uh, once the government has mono power, because energy, electricity is all government control. It's all government metered, government regulated. It goes through your smart meter. So the government can ration. They have these, these things in, in California called rolling uh, blackouts, rolling brownouts, where they, they systematically turn off power in certain areas for two or three hours, you know, to, to sort of balance that. And rather than make more power, they just cut it off. So this is why electricity is such a, such a dangerous thing if it's the only source of power. People should be able to go to, okay, fine, you're going to cut off my electricity? Great, I'm going to turn on the window. Screw you. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, there, there, there are ways to handle this. And so I think the problem is, yeah. you know what? So, so here's a question for you. If Wyoming, rather than banning electric cars, say doubled the tax and added a ha- – this is what I want to do. And this is why I hopefully – Amber actually came up with the idea, Amber Kemper. Um, we got to find her. She's our, she's our missing constitutional uh, reporter. But she had an idea for an electric car tax, and I, and I added to it a hazmat penalty. So in other words, a $25,000 fee per electric car to dispose of the battery. You know, plus you take the government yeah, subsidy. Yeah, I've heard about that. Heard about our bill or what? What, what have you heard? Do tell. I may have, I don't know, it might have been you guys, might have been somewhere else. I honestly don't know, but I've heard of that before, you know, um, uh, putting in it. a tax for, not, yeah, I was like, it might, it was probably you guys. Well, um, is, but I, I mean, I might not yeah, have been the only person that had that idea. You know, I'm the only one I've heard talk about it, but it doesn't mean that, uh, see, this is a nice thing about it, uh, what, what I consider good ideas. There's, there's a lot, they're out there in a lot of different places. And so uh, a lot of things that I'll think of, other people think of, too. I just, you know, I like to be up there in the, amongst the first ones. But if we could put a hazardous materials, uh, or put a hazmat fee on the purchase of an electric car and on the new battery, the battery replacement, too, would be the same $25,000 plus the cost of the battery. Um, if you did that, if you took, uh, I don't know what the government subsidy for electric cars is, or the federal subsidy, let's just say it's $10,000. So if, if Wyoming, you know, then put a $10,000 state tax on buying an electric car, that would neutralize the federal subsidy. Then, then you'd have, you know, market equity, if I can make up yet another term today. Or if Wyoming really yeah. want to have fun, if Wyoming want to have even more fun, they'd put a, they'd double the tax and say, wait a minute, you know, for all those electric cars that are already out there subsidized, 
you know, we're not we're only going to uh, double the tax, but each year when you register your electric car, we're going to put a $10,000 tax and take the federal tax subsidy away from you. That's okay. They can make it difficult to own, and then people can make a choice. They can say, well, screw this, I'm getting out of Wyoming. Or they can say, okay, I really love my electric car. Now, what's unique about Wyoming is the cold. So do you know what cold does to batteries? Um, not particularly. Destroys them. So <laughs> it takes the, they drain oh. really fast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're in Wyoming, the question then becomes how useful is an electric car? I would say, you know, maybe six months of the year it's good. <laughs> six months of the year it should sit in your garage and you can drive your, your, your diesel or your uh, um, gasoline pickup truck, you know, out in the range. So some interesting questions here. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, and, you know, whenever you ban something – I mean, mm-hmm. it, it always puts a um, – um, there's a word for it, but uh, not a level, like a, a point where, you know, other people try and go off of. Like, I mean, like when bills are passed or things in the Supreme Court, you always see people making comparisons of the other Supreme Court cases. Like this Supreme Court case, because of these two Supreme Cases before it, led the way for mm-hmm. this. You know, a precedent, that's what the word I was looking for. It okay. kind of sets yeah, a I'm precedent sorry, yeah. for, you know, mm-hmm. future things in other states. Um, and so, you know, to ban a vehicle of any kind of thing from, from like, the government banning the use of a vehicle or mm-hmm. the buying of a vehicle, whichever it is, you know, it does, you know, it is a little bit wary because, you know, that opens up a door for the government to ban much more. Well, that's the main point. And and you know, I think that's the most like important thing is consistency. You know, if you believe in freedom, you have to believe in freedom for things that you don't want. You know, because the principle of freedom is more important. It's like cigarettes. I can't stand cigarettes. My parents smoked when I was a kid. I always hated it. You know, after dinner, they'd bring out the cigarettes and I'd leave the room. <laughs> See if bye, you know, because I couldn't stand it. But would I ban cigarettes? No. I just don't want them around me. Unfortunately, we live in a world now where uh, in public areas, it's restrictive. Because cigarette smoke does not stay with the person smoking. If they would just breathe it in, it would stay there. I wouldn't care. But it doesn't. It goes everywhere. You know? But, uh, so, yeah, but I wouldn't ban I it, heard, even though I don't like it. Go ahead. I heard something short about it, and I don't have anything information on it. I just, like, heard this yesterday, mm-hmm. those little short things. So I don't have any context for this. But it was That's somewhere okay. in Europe, and I want to say it's the U.K., but they were talking about, you know, um, they're, like, it's going to be like phasing out to um, basically make smoking illegal non-existent, but in like a sneaky way where <laughs> basically um, I, I, I don't know how exactly they did it. I assume that it maybe it's by like a birth year. Like right now, like for example, like if they said like right now, anybody born after like 2002, you know, um, or before, before or after 2002 can no longer, you know, buy cigarettes or smoke cigarettes or whatever. You know, everybody's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's like an age, like, let's say, like, there's a certain age that they have for it. Um, these are just, like, crazy ideas of maybe a way that they're doing it because, again, I haven't really looked into this? it. Where is this happening? Um, somewhere in Europe, and I think it's the U.K., but I could be wrong. And so basically, like, 
what the person was saying is whenever the, the people that are smoking now are 67 years old, nobody younger than 67 years old can smoke or buy cigarettes. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but I went to Europe and, you know, when I, I went there in the 80s and too many people smoked. I remember coming out of some of the bars. Oh, it was incredible. I mean, I, I smelled the smoke for like a week. <laughs> you know, you couldn't get rid of it because European smoke, um, Asian country smoke, you know, especially, you know, like I say, even, even in the, you go to San Francisco and like Chinatown, uh, there's a lot of smoking. You know, people smoke. The different cultures, different countries smoke a whole lot. I don't know situation in South America or Africa, but I know in Europe and Asia, they smoke much more than Americans. Americans, for the most part, have gotten rid of smoking, certainly in public areas. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's like a dirty habit. Someone smokes, they don't want to admit it anymore. And it used to be all over the movies. You know, you watch the movies and everybody smoked. Humphrey Bogart, I don't think, ever appeared in a scene without a cigarette. And ultimately, it killed him. Um, but, um, but you look at, there was a certain point where, you know, less and less uh, frequently, um, cigarettes would appear. It's quite interesting. So but the, the question of banning a product, I don't believe in, in banning products. Now, could Wyoming tax it, make it more expensive? Uh, could they do all kinds of things? Could they have a separate registration fee for an electric car? There's a whole bunch of things they can do without banning it, but you're still restricting a product. And I think the most important thing is to restrict the, the federal policies. So all, all the benefits and all the, the policies the federal government is pushing towards electric cars should be reversed, counter, or maybe even increased uh, against the federal government, but not necessarily against uh, the people. So, so what would you think of, and I, I got Pianchi on, I'm bring him on in a second here, but what would you think of Wyoming, uh, instead of uh, taxing their, their own citizens more for electric cars, saying to the federal government, we don't like your $10,000 subsidy of electric cars. So we're, every time you know, someone buys an electric car in Wyoming, we're going to withhold $10,000 from the money that uh, we would have paid you. How would that be for a solution? Seems like a good solution. Okay. I mean, right offhand, but I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it, but you know. That's okay. Nobody I think does. it's a better way to go about it than banning. Yeah. 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 And see, you don't have to have the right answer here because a lot of times we don't know the right answer. We're just speculating. We're just, we're just trying out different ideas, but I really think that you have to be consistent in your freedom. And, and part of that means that uh, when people have products that you don't like, like vaping, and vaping is, is, is horrible. You'd be, you know, chimneys of stuff going on. I know it's not safe, but I wouldn't ban it. See, freedom implies a right to be stupid, <laughs> you know, to be quite blunt. You know, you can be stupid. You can bungee jump. Is that, do I think that's stupid? Yeah, I sure do. I'm not going to go bungee jump, all right? I wouldn't stop people from doing it, you know? So, so let me yeah. ask you that question. I'll bring up Priyanki. Do you have a right to be stupid? Yes. Okay. I mean, because that's basically like, a right to life because, you know, I mean, how would you even go about making that illegal or, or preventing that from happening? I mean, the only thing, because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, the only thing that I can think of is, you know, murder is the only way to get rid of that because, you know, that you can't do it any other way. Um, so, I mean, I don't even know how you would get rid of that. But Which one? Electric cars or bungee jumping? Being stupid. <laughs> You can't. Well, and, that is, see, see, and that's the thing. You have freedom to do things that are dangerous. I mean, smoking cigarettes, I wouldn't make it illegal, but it's stupid. It's, it's going to cut your life short. Nothing good comes from smoking. Yeah. You know, there are people that drive drunk, and that is illegal. You know, and so that, but it's really stupid. <laughs> you know, the, most of our laws are, are, are to prevent dangerous stupidity, not of the person, but of them hurting somebody else. You know, if someone yeah. uh, drives fast in a car and, and wraps himself around a tree, 
Um, yes, that's a problem. It's a problem for them because if it kills them, it's a problem for their family because they lose somebody. Uh, and it's a problem. It's, it's, it's a big problem. But the fact that other people aren't hurt by it makes a big difference. So if someone runs down the street drunk and kills a bunch of other people, the, 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 the crime is much more severe. You know, vehicular manslaughter and things like that, yeah. or even killing one other person. So most of our laws are really geared not to prevent complete stupidity, but to prevent people from injuring others. You look at the, uh, and Piaki knows about this too, the federal aviation regulations. I'll talk about this more, you know, in terms of airlines. But the federal aviation regulations are to prevent damage uh, and injury to persons and property on the ground first. You know, then they're designed to protect uh, injury, you know, to your passengers second. <laughs> okay. The last person is the pilot. <laughs> The last person the FAA is concerned with. And that's how the regulations are written. So can pilots be stupid and do stupid things? Well, they're not supposed to, but they do. You know. But there are regulations against that. But the regulations really are designed to protect other people because they can't protect themselves because yeah. they don't know the regulations. They're not there in the airplane. Yeah. Let me answer Pianca in this. Let's just find out if people have a right to be stupid and what he thinks about electric cars. Pianca, what do you think of all this? Well, people have been building electric cars since I've known <clears throat> Uh, you know, a hobby, a however. But mm-hmm. I like what Wyoming is considering to do. Okay, why? And they're a country, and they can put what they think is best for the best welfare for their citizens. Uh, there's the countries in Africa that have banned bleaching cream. Hmm. Well, people can't put bleaching cream on their skin to make it lighter. And you know, that's that country's right to do that. Uh, okay, well, let's no, ask I, I would like to question. see more states. I would like to see okay. more countries slash states push mm-hmm. back against the federal government and say we're not going to do it. And like you said, you know, that was a time when they had subsidies uh, for solar panels on your home. Mm-hmm. And I forget what they called it, but it didn't work. Well, what if what if Wyoming subsidized? Gasoline car. Or what if they took away the sales tax on gasoline cars? That'd be a great way to counter it. So you can buy a gasoline or a diesel vehicle, and there's no sales tax on it. That would be a proactive way to, to make electric cars less desirable to people. I don't think they have to ban them. But I want to I touch, Brianna, about something that we've talked about on the show here, Pianchi and I, the concept the states are really countries. Think of them as independent nations. You know, it's unfortunate that we can't call ourselves the United Nations because that name's already taken and it has bad connotations. But if you think of the states as their own independent nations, that have like, uh, the, so the federal government would be kind of like the, the European Union government, a bunch of stuffy bureaucrats trying to dictate things, but they only have certain power that the, well, maybe that's not a good example. I think the European Union maybe does have power over the independent countries. That's why Britain, you know, seceded from them. But if you think of the federal government as just a, an entity basically hired by the states to do certain things that the states couldn't do for themselves. What do you think of the idea of the concept? If you think of states as, as independent nations, does that change your view, Brianna? Um, I mean, whenever you describe it more in detail, it makes a little bit more sense, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, federal government, like, hired to help uh, do what they can't do. Um, Mm -hmm. but also, like, whenever, like, you just hear, like, independent nations, it can kind of, like, trick your mind into, um, thinking that they are just completely different and distinct and, you know, um, just 100%, um, 100%, you know, um, Mm -hmm. independent from the other states. And, you know, in reality, the, one of the reasons that we're such a great country is, you know, a lot of the states, you know, um, work together uh, with, um, like, within the country in itself because 
it's one country with a bunch of different states. And even those states do have their independence and their own rights to run their states, you know, they are all still connected and united. And I think that's, like, that's one of the main reasons it become such a, a powerhouse, isn't because, you know, we have um, a bunch of countries all together, but it's like one big country that's united together. Hmm. What unites us? What do you think? What, what, what sort of kind of holds us together, even though the states are independent? Um, you know, part of it, I think it might be the fact that we do also have a central government where we all are um, tied together in some way. Does the government tie us together or something else? Um, this is another here's a rhetorical question warning. <laughs> I should just give that up. What really ties us together? Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of factors like within the economy as well, but I mean, mm-hmm. we also trade with other countries too. Mm-hmm. How about our culture? How about being an American, the ideals, the ideas, the principles? Yeah. Okay, so that's kind of what I was getting to. So in other words, we can have independent nations called states within our country that are as different as different can be. Wyoming is different than Florida, which is different than from California, which is different from Vermont. You know, you go around this country, and I've traveled most of it. I've been to most of the states. I think there's maybe four or five I have not been to. This country is radically different, but that's our strength. You know, you want to talk about diversity as our strength? We really are diverse. Trust me, California, well, probably California and Vermont have a lot more in common. Take a better example, New Hampshire. But the point is that we have regions, we have different states, we, we have all kinds of things. But the one thing that ties us together, except for the left, left is like the exception because they hate this country. But those of us who love this country, what ties us together uh, is, is the feeling of being American. And, and I can be just as American being born in Canada, you know, having come to this country and formed my allegiance to this country and been the naturalized American as somebody born here. A lot of cases, immigrants are even more American, but we can still have our independent states. Yeah, so, I so, agree so with that. The, well, thank you. So, the, so, the, so if we have the principles, you know, especially make America great again, you know, if we have the principles, we want our country to be great again. What makes our country great is freedom. So the more freedom we have, the greater we are as a country then we can have the independence because that comes within freedom. There's, there's an independence uh, that freedom implies independence. So if someone wants to be different, great. If you have a product you don't like, fine. You know, but the question is where, where do the states, where does the limit on that come from? So what would be a reasonable thing for the state to do? Should they be proactive and, and take away the sales tax on gasoline powered vehicles? Or should they say that you can't buy an electric vehicle? I think there's better ways to do it. What do you think? I agree. There's better ways to go about it. Okay. Do you have any other ways they could do it? If you want to promote, if you want um, to discourage electric vehicles and promote gasoline vehicles or even steam-powered vehicles, let's bring out a Stanley steamer. You know, how would you do that uh, and still maintain freedom? I mean, you could say regulate, but obviously you don't want a lot of government regulation. Well, is regulation freedom? It regulates everything is a regulation based on freedom what? or is it based on a regulations based on freedom or control? It's a great, it's a great point you just brought up. Well, in this case it would be control and that's why it would be dangerous to do that. Um, okay. I mean, the taxes, that's something that's, you know, within their power range that really could make an impact on it. Mm-hmm. So how would you, what would you do with the tax code as far as these vehicles go? I mean, your idea sounds good. Okay, but I want your idea. This is that's the fun of it. This is your report. I just I'm just here, causing trouble. 
as usual. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you know I I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, the, the other thing they can <laughs> do is, is uh, promote their, their own uh, oil industry more. You know, take away, take away the tax on that. I'll tell you another thing, and this is something I'll get Pianchi on this one too, is that we, we did a two-hour show with Roger Roots, who's an attorney. He, he was with the Fully Informed Juries Association for a while. We spent two hours talking about all that Western land that the federal government thinks they own and they really don't. That's state land. The federal government is prohibiting from owning land in other states unless the state legislature specifically gives it to them, unless it's under a military base or under certain dockyards or, or, or border facilities. Or in D.C. That's it. So if Wyoming really wants to do something, they should take their federal land back and open that up to oil, state oil and, and gas exploration. Pianchi, what do you think about that? I know he's going to say. <laughs> we'll get back to Brianna. Yes, that, that, I agree with that also. The, uh, <clears throat> that's, there's nothing the Constitution says that the federal government should own land other than what it stipulates, like uh, – Fort like uh, F Troop back during the Southern and Other West. <laughs> you better explain F Troop to Brianna. This is before your time, I think. Are, are you familiar? Have you seen the reruns? Um, of what? Of F Troop. It was an old uh, situation comedy. They, they had this, this comic cavalry and this comic Indian troop. You could never show it today. Um, just because it'd be some of it would scream political correctness, prejudice, making fun of indigenous people, uh, who knows what, <laughs> but you couldn't do it today. Oh, here's the clause I was looking for. Uh, to this is this is Article One, Section Eight, which is the uh, delegated powers to Congress by the states to exercise exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over the district that would be the District of Columbia, not to exceed ten miles square, as may by session of a particular state. So if C session is is a state going away. I guess session would be the joining of states. I never even seen that word. I missed that. Anyway, is an acceptance of Congress. Oh, here we go. And to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings. So those are the only things the federal government can do. They can ask the state for land to, to have forts, in other words, military bases, magazines, in other words, storehouses of ammunition, uh, arsenals would be like guns, dockyards, well, that's, you know, lakes, rivers, um, anything with water, and other needful buildings, which is kind of open. That's it. It's the only thing that the federal government can own, and then only with the consent of the state legislatures. So all that land that's, that, that's federal land out west is not federal land. It's actually state land. They're just not claiming it. Idiots, morons, fools, if I may be that blunt. <laughs> Oklahoma, you guys got, you got federal land in Oklahoma? <laughs> I think you've asked me this before. I know I still have not looked into it. Okay. Well, I'll ask you again, and then you can, look, you can not look into it again. <laughs> we got 20 minutes left. What do you want to talk about? Where, where should we go next? What else you got? Because um, I have topics to well, go, but I, I just, just, just want to get you first. Yeah, go ahead. No, I do. I just got a pick. <laughs> um, okay. Well, so, may I introduce this? Oh, go ahead. What, what were you going to say? Oh, um, so for any of you listeners who are between the ages of 16 and 25, Patriot Academy has opened up um, their applications. So you can go in and apply. Um, different, like they have an early bird special, which is cheaper, but that ends on the 31st. So you mm-hmm. might not uh, pay it by then. 
Um, but you can pay like the normal price after that. It's a leadership congress boot camp, and it's in the most realistic mock legislative legislative session in America. I um, mean, you'll learn, of course, leadership skills um, in biblical facts and historical information, and you learn a lot of the Constitution and those um, biblical and constitutional principles, um, and you interact with a bunch of people um, that are like-minded. Um, and one of the biggest things there is you learn character, and you shape and you form your character. Um, and you don't, it's, you don't even have to really be involved in politics or anything to enjoy it. Um, it's a really amazing experience. So you all should go and apply for that. Um, Who are now shameless plugs? And she didn't even ask me. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. A what? I said, I said, what a shameless plug, and you didn't even ask me. That's okay. No, I'm teasing you. Um, this would be a really good time to get Patriot Academy on the show. Uh, I want to do that anyway, yes. uh, just because I'm, I'm curious about it. But the other reason is, you know, all you wonderful graduates, you know, you're a graduate of Patriot Academy. What all the stuff you know? I, mean, I love it. So what I'm hoping to do is to take graduates from all over the country uh, and see who might be interested in being lobbyists. You know, now that, now that you all have this, this great knowledge of, uh, of the Constitution and citizenship and, uh, you know, how the legislative process works, you know, you folks are the perfect ones to actually start going to the state legislatures and the Congress, you know, and the local governments, the school boards, the city councils, county commissions, things like that, and say, hey, this is what we want, you know. And so now's the time to do it because, you know, you guys get the future. You know, which leads to something I was going to talk about, the national debt with you in just a bit. But uh, um, you think we could get a hold of folks? Uh, when's the Patriot Academy start? When's the next one? You said the 31st or um, after the End 31st? of July. Oh, it's end of July. They're recruiting now? It's a little advanced warning. Okay. Yes. Oh. Huh. Well, you can also ask them if they want to sponsor Action Radio, too, considering we have a, a mission for them afterwards. And I would be happy to play commercials for them. I'm serious. You know, I make all kinds of stuff here. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, let's get them on. Let's uh, see if they uh, want to help us out. Yeah. Okay. I want to make an announcement, too. We have an incredible guest coming on Thursday. Now, last week we had Dr. Peter McCullough, which was an amazing hour. And now he, he loves our vaccine product liability legislation, loves our – I just introduced him to our, our big tech, you know, elimination of censorship bill. And so we're going to hear from Josie in about uh, 17, 18 minutes. She was there with uh, Dr. McCullough in Tennessee at one of the Reawaken America tours. It's another great thing. Still waiting for my invitation so I can teach legislative workshops. It hasn't happened yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. But Thursday, we've got Christina Bob. And Christina Bob, you go ahead, laugh. I shouldn't, I shouldn't cut off laughter. I, sorry, my mistake. Um, but Thursday, we've got Christina Bob, and she is Trump's attorney, one of them uh, on election integrity. And we just completed Diane Warner, who's going to talk about this uh, tomorrow, uh, is, is her election integrity bill. And it's for Florida, but it could, be, it could apply to any state. You just have to plug in your, your state state code, chapter, verse, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, so she's going to be fascinating. And she, you know, I want to talk to her about working with the Trump campaign and introducing our citizen legislation. So there's some pretty incredible things happening here. So there's my shameless plug for us. Back to you, Brianna. And um, I think that that would be a really good idea to do that. And I sent them one email, one or two, but I think it's time to send another one. I think we need to call to, um, at least, you know, I, yeah, I think I both need, I'll look them up and give them a phone call too. If you want to call them, feel free. And you can, you can say as an action radio reporter doing the government inquiry report, you can use that now, put it on your resume. 
you know, you're, you're a fully fledged reporter. I mean, you're doing real reporting work. And so uh, you might as well give yourself credit for it. And I don't mind you representing Action Radio. Sound good? Okay. All right. Yeah. Try my best not <laughs> to damage your name. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not worried about it. If I was worried about you, I wouldn't tell you to do it. That, you know, listen, yeah, I, I have tremendous faith in you. You know, I'm proud to have you on the show. And uh, I love our conversations. You know, I think this is fabulous. Let me, uh, do you have another topic? Because I have one I, I want to kind of raise with you. But you first. Um, yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, the debt ceiling. There is this incredible lie uh, about the debt that uh, we, you know, I looked up to this morning. I only found one article. Fortunately, it's from the Wall Street Journal. I'm going to do that probably Friday uh, when Derek, our financial person, is on. But uh, th- I only found one article that says cut spending. Everything else is like we have to raise the debt ceiling or else. And it's this big lie because, you, you know, they say, well, we have to pay our obligations. Well, why would Congress make obligations knowing that they had to raise the debt ceiling to honor those obligations? That to me is economic treason and economic suicide. So the whole thing is spending cuts, but the reason it affects yeah. you so much is guess who's going to have to uh, deal with 30, the now almost $32 trillion deficit, you know, I think $7 trillion of which uh, just in the last few years since COVID. Not to put something on your shoulders, but <laughs> it's there anyway. Thanks. Sorry. So my question is, or my, my idea for you, uh, I was just, you know, noodling on my computer earlier. Uh, I think that uh, if you and, and Patriot Academy and, and young folks start a campaign of pay your debt, tell Congress, pay your debt. It's not our debt. They're the ones that did it. You could actually start organizing a pay your debt campaign. You know, start with everybody, you know, Patriot Academy, get the email list, you know, talk to the, the folks at Rick Green, I guess is right. Talk to them and start, start a movement and then contact uh, Charlie Kirk at Turning Point. And get the college students involved and say, wait a minute, let's start a pay your debt campaign. You could be the, the chairperson. You can run it. I'll give you an idea. What do you think? It sounds good. So, like, if that were to happen, what would be what would be some of the main things that we would want to push them to do in order to do that? What a great idea. What a great question. Um, let me put it back to you, which I, I tend to do, and then I'll get Pianchi's opinion on this as well. If you wanted to to pay down the national debt of $32 trillion, what would you tell Congress to do? Um, Just try anything. Wild ideas. Whatever comes to mind. Well, I guess in summary, you call it cut reckless spending, like billions mm-hmm. and billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. Um, yep. Trillions, actually. Um, not not to Ukraine. Accurate. Trillions are wasteful spending, but I think it's only like a hundred and only he says about one hundred and thirty, hundred fifty billion dollars to Ukraine, and plus weapon shipments, plus everything else. So Ukraine's a huge drain. Okay, so let's 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 include all foreign stupid wars that we have no business in. You know, and I would I would go back to Korea, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Ukraine. Those cost trillions of dollars when you take the total cost of those wars. So this, so so get your your pen or, or computer. Let's let's, start, let's make a little list here of things that would go into this. So the first one is stop stupid foreign war spending. What else would you do? Yeah, but like, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean to like you know stop it at all. You because you know you do need um, to have that national defense. But um, of course, I'm not saying stop the military. Particularly the stop word the stupid. stupid spending. The, yeah, stop the stupid spending. Yeah, yeah. The, the stupid. 
thing. Okay. The permanent um, war class, like, the military industrial complex, the things like the F-35, which is the most expensive weapon system in history, and it really doesn't work. It doesn't work mainly because stealth doesn't work. That's a joke, too. I'll explain that one to you someday. What else you got? Do you want Social Security? Yeah. Or do you want to have an independent retirement um, system? Um, I think Social Security should be optional. Bullet, bullet point number two. And so I don't believe that it has to be, you know, completely one way or completely the other. I think because a lot of people mm-hmm. do want Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that could still be available, but I just don't think everybody should be forced into it. Um, okay. So I that's think a viable that's, option. Uh, no, that's a good option. Yeah. Anything else? I don't know. I'm throwing this at you without even thinking about it. So, so we can we can take this up next week too. But uh, anything else come to mind? I don't see what Pianki's got on his his mind. Yeah, um, a couple of things. The first one would mm-hmm. be um, some things in the omnibus bill, but I'll come back to that. Um, also, a lot of like welfare programs and stuff, and a lot of people aren't going to like this because you know they like to not work or contribute to the economy and mm-hmm. just take our money. But I'm cutting costs in the welfare programs and. You know, honestly, in one way, you know, abolish it. And if you want to do something to help people, reframe it to be something that can actually help people. Mm-hmm. Um, because the system is just so worn down at this point. It's just something that needs to just be completely redone. Well, but, let's, let's, make uh, it, let's make it even more blank. Cutting a lot of welfare spending. Okay. Well, the federal government is, is, is welfare authorized by the Constitution for the federal government to spend money on? Is it authorized by the Constitution? Mm-hmm. Um, no. Isn't that like, isn't it since it's directly giving money to help out people, isn't that actually against the Constitution? Uh, well, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, but, I, but there's nothing that says welfare. And people will say, well, the general welfare clause, we're supposed to promote the general welfare. No, that just means, <laughs> oh that just, that, what do you think of that? Have you heard that? Have you heard that before? I haven't heard that before. <laughs> No, it's a leftist argument. They'll say that. Well, mm-hmm. the Constitution says promote the general welfare. Well, that means that all the laws have to apply equally. The laws have to apply generally. That's what it means. It's for the welfare of everybody. Welfare in terms of benefit, not in terms of money. So if the federal government yeah. – trust me, you'll hear that. If you haven't heard it yet, you're going to at some point. But abolishing welfare, all federal government subsidies of people. Calvin Coolidge was big on that. He says the government should not be engaged in charity. It's not our business. So look at Calvin Coolidge. He, got, he cut the federal yeah. budget in half, and he cut the national debt in half. So there might be a place to look for some things, too. Pianchi, let me get you on this. Yeah. What, what would you do? Well, yes, I would cut out a lot of these programs. <clears throat> they would have a sunset. But, no, I'm not for getting rid of Social Security. I think that should be the way it is now. And people say that individuals should have their own money. Well, if you're going to use that pretense, take the Social Security pool, which is tremendous in size, and trade it the way you would want individuals to do because individuals won't do that. Then when they don't do it, then they find themselves on the public dole at some point in time, which is be a further burden. Well, see, that's the problem. If people don't save for retirement or don't, or in my case, you know, I had trouble generating enough money to save for retirement. Uh, that's why I have no intentions of retiring. A, I'm having too much fun working. B, I don't really have that option just yet. And so, you know, for my circumstance, it's, it's a different situation. But had I had the option to take the money that I did earn, and if it went into a, a mandatory retirement account, say it took 10% of, uh, of my income, 
and I was forced <laughs> to not have it, and all of a sudden I had a private account with all this money in it, I'd much rather that than Social Security because I'd have more, I'd have more money. Yeah, and and now in like the like a lot of students like in the like actual curriculum a lot of teachers and um, classes and stuff teach the importance of you know saving up for like important things and especially retirement mm-hmm. that you have to start early and so i mean it's well, not some it's not like it's something that you figure out i mean it's something that's taught like early on too mm-hmm. um to be able to prepare for that but we've talked about the delaying system, which is a mandatory uh, checkoff. So right now they take 15% of your income. So a company pays you money, uh, and you receive money from a corporation, but 15% of that, and they can say 75 from the employer, 75 from the employer. That's a bunch of nonsense. You lose 15% of the money the company could have paid you that goes to the government for Social Security. So I'm saying you could, do, you could make more money with the 10%. You, you actually get 5% of your money you know, when you earn it and take 10% out of your paychecks instead of 15% and put that into a, an account that you'll get at 62, 65, 67, you know. Um, well, I, I, yeah, well, just pick an age because it's not government dependent anyway. They're not paying you. It's, it's your own account as opposed to now where it's not your own account. So when the, so when the government talks about cutting Social Security, you know, payments, they're, they're only getting that money um, from people today to pay right out again. And the so-called trust fund, they have spent that all money. There's nothing in the, in the Social Security Trust Fund except IOUs for previous spending going back to the Johnson administration. So I think you should have a choice. But that would be a huge way to uh, – um, and I think Stephen Moore was talking about this recently. 45 is the cutoff. So if you're over 45, you're, gonna, you're doing better. You do better just to keep Social Security. If you're under 45, you're going to do better if you put 10% of your money into a private account. When you retire at 65, 20 years later, you know, you're going to have more money than you would have had at, with Social Security, which is probably going to be cutting down more and more. Uh, and, um, you know, as more and more people get on it, they're going to raise the retirement age. They're going to cut the benefit because they're going to have to because there aren't enough younger folks to support it. So there's a good yeah. way to do it. Hmm. Something to think about. Got another idea? What else could we uh, – a major area where we could cut federal spending? I know when, like, the big omnibus bill that is a small problem, most deceitful things that the people are hating right now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of like hidden funds of you know um, money going to a bunch of different programs. So I mean, um, stopping things like that, mm-hmm. and you, you know, actually having government. a set legislator. Yeah, you have to audit. What? Uh, you have to audit a lot of the government front where they are spending all their money. That, that's what they're supposed to do with the authorization with the appropriations bills. So the way Congress, the, the law that hasn't been followed since I think I don't know Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton is that they actually had appropriations bills. And they would, there was like 12 of them or 13 of them. And they would actually take you know, areas of the government and they would hold hearings and they would evaluate how much money should be spent and they would um, appropriate that amount of money and say, this is, this is what you get. You know, now, for the last several years, they've done these continuing resolutions where they've kept funding it the same uh, or they've just increased it by a certain percentage for everybody. It's a stupid way to budget. But that's what they've been doing. So if we go back to appropriations bills and actually evaluate how much the government costs, that would save a huge amount too. Got another idea? What else can we do? Um, so we've covered like different cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, how about taxes? How about taxes? Mm-hmm. Um. If you want to cut the well, federal I'm deficit, a federal budget, taxes, but... say that again. 
I'm always for lowering taxes. Okay. And what, what, what would that do for the national debt? Um, I know it will increase productivity in the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Which means what? You're on the right track. Keep going. Which means there's more money. Mm-hmm. You ever hear the Laffer Curve? The what? Laffer Curve, L-A-F-E-R. Uh, Professor Arthur Laffer it was big during the Reagan administration. He's an old dude now. In fact, we even had David Stockman I've on the show earlier. I've heard that before, but I don't know what okay. it is. Basically, says that the more you lower taxes, the greater the economy grows, the more revenue actually goes to government. It's counterintuitive to Democrats. They can't understand this, that if you lower taxes, it increases the productivity. Is this the guy that like, wrote it on – is this the guy that, like wrote on the napkin that's in a museum somewhere? I think, I think you're right. I, I, it seems to me that makes sense. But the, look at the Laffer curve, L-A-F-F-E-R. And so Laffer said that, yeah, in fact, that's what they did in the Reagan administration when they, when they cut taxes so drastically, which was good. I mean, they cut taxes down. The government actually had more money because the growth in the economy with a lower tax rate meant that the private economy was generating more money. So it actually was generating more tax, but it was less of a burden on people because the actual the tax burden percentage of income was lower, even though the government was making more money because more people were working. More people were earning more money than they did before. So everybody wins. Rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. You know, the, the, and it wasn't trickle down, as they said. It was actually, uh, you know, it was a massive tide. <laughs> it was a spring tide, and up they went. Pianki, wait, do you remember that? Yeah, Colonel I think Africa? I remember. I think, I'll go ahead. I think I remember it now from learning about, you know, Reaganomics. Ooh, that's an interesting term. That's usually a bad term. What, so what did the, what'd you learn about really? Reaganomics? Well, yeah, because because everybody hated Reagan. That uh, well, the, the the Republicans hated him because he was good. You know, uh, Democrats hated him because he was Republican. The left hated him for all kinds of reasons. Uh, the Europeans hated him. I remember I was in Europe when Reagan was in office, and they they all said, "Well, he's, he's your he's your nuclear cowboy. He's going to blow us all up." I said, "Don't be so stupid." You know, but they didn't. They, I, remember I never I knew it was a negative term. Well, it is. I thought it, it was actually just is. because you know it was a distinct process to that's interesting that helped the economy. <laughs> It did help the economy. But see, if you're a leftist, they, they don't understand. They think that raising taxes is a good thing because it's not your money. Uh, they always talk about it in terms of their money. So they always see tax increases as, as like a noble cause because they can't relate to the idea that you can lower taxes and increase productivity and have the economy grow and have the government actually have more money because they don't care if, if the government has more money so much as they care about punishing people for making money. It's a really weird psychology. Well, somebody mentioned about Reaganomics. Now I'm curious. Yeah. No, you should cut the uh, Congress salary. And yeah, that's a that's minor. That pension plan that they have, where they receive their full salary after so many terms. One. <laughs> I was thinking of serving in Congress for two years just for the pension. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just you know. Yeah, that needs to go away. And also it cutting taxes because you shouldn't be able to spend more than your revenue that you receive. And anytime that your expenditures is not equal to your revenue, mm-hmm. then that excess amount should go back to the people where it came from. Well, you can cut taxes even more. So if you have uh, or you could do a refund, you do a rebate, you do a tax rebate. So if the government takes in $5 trillion, uh, in revenue and only spends $4 trillion, they could, they could uh, refund a trillion dollars to the people. Ooh, that'd be great. I like that idea. 
But you can't do that as long as you have a national debt. That's the problem. Because all you do is increase the debt and the interest on the debt. So here's the big question. Well, see, here's the thing with the national debt. If you didn't have the money to spend, you wouldn't have the debt. And that's where the problem comes in. And what they do now is spend what they don't have based on uh, future possibilities. So that needs to go away. If you don't have the money, just as it is you as a personal citizen, you don't have the money, you don't, and, you know, these credit cards get you in trouble. But uh, that's the basic principle. What you don't have, what you don't take in, you can't spend. Yeah. The big idea is the one I have. Oh, there's Josie. So we're going to get to her in just a second. The big idea, and this is one that I'll be pushing, I'll be telling, introducing Christina Bob to this, uh, is, is our, our bill that uh, takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. So the best thing you can do, and it's an amendment, it's on writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Go to the legislation uh, item on the menu bar. Scroll down three to all proposed laws, and I think it's like the fourth or fifth one down there. But it, it basically would stop Congress from borrowing any more money. That's it. That's my solution. It's so simple, so straightforward. If they can't borrow money, uh, then you don't have deficits because they can't borrow money. You don't have inflation. You don't have a lot of things. And as the bonds mature that have been floated to pay off the previous national debt, each time a, a, a level of bonds is paid off, the debt reduces, which also reduces the interest on the national debt. And Derek Park and I figured about 30 or 40 years, well, actually he figured, um, that the national debt would be gone. Well, that's from, within Brianna's lifetime, unless she does something stupid like bungee jumps. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but think about that, Brianna. 30 or 40, let's just say 40 years from now. Would you be willing to sponsor an amendment now? that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. If 40 years from now, there would be no national debt. Um, right off now, like right off hand, I mean, it sounds like a good thing. Um, but mm-hmm. honestly, I don't really know a whole lot about, um, that or what it would do. So, I mean, I yeah. really couldn't say with all honesty because I don't understand it fully, but mm-hmm. I mean, right off hand, I mean, it sounds good. Okay. Wait, and you don't have to know. Remember, I mean, you're, you're free to speculate. I don't ask questions that people know the answer to. That's no fun. <laughs> I, I like the questions people don't know the answer to. Anyway, let's get uh, – you're welcome to stick around as long as you can. Um, and let's get, uh, let's get Josie here. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living not just reporting what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossey. Buenos dias, chica. Good, mo- Good morning. Buenos dias. Dobre utra for my people in the Ukraine. How and are now, you? And now, fresh from the Tennessee Reawaken America tour, <laughs> the one and only Josie Cossey. Uh, we had a good time. It was very cold. 
Mm. It's cold. So what happened? Tell me all about it. In, yeah, they had the event in a huge tent. Uh, I think. Like a revival? kind of cheap. That's great. Yeah. We're doing a tent. And I felt it's like. Winter. Uh, yeah, it is winter. It was 30 degrees. Oh, they didn't have their act together organizing um, the VIP. I paid $500 per ticket, and we were, like, way on one side instead of the VIP seat. Oh, no. Uh, uncomfortable seat. Yeah, those little plastic chairs. Uh, that you get a, a refund? Long day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. No, you get a but refund? I put a complaint. Yeah, I put okay. a complaint about it. Okay. And then, um, and then the food, uh, it was a disaster. And they had three small little food trucks for about 5,000 people. Oh. And uh, and we were in line. Thank God I brought a thick, heavy-duty jacket that I just bought, you know, not long ago. I was outside in the cold, cold weather for two hours in line trying to get food from the food trucks. And finally, uh, we were missing a lot of the speakers, you know, because we're outside on, in line. Instead of just taking a half an hour, an hour break for lunch, we were in line trying to buy food. And it just... It just seems like I was back in Cuba when people make those lines for hours and hours, you know, and we were not going anywhere. And one of the food trucks ran out of food. I think there was only like two people in each truck. They couldn't work fast enough. So I finally downloaded an app, which I'm not a whiz with apps and things like that, like teenagers are. And I finally ordered Chick-fil-A. And you should have seen how many people were ordering <laughs> Uber Eats or whatever. And uh, there was a line of traffic that the police was guiding for all the food cars coming in and out, in and out. They don't know who, who. They're like, what is your name? What is your name? What a mess. What a mess. It was, um, I, I put a nice complaint already. So, That's and I'm funny. getting a little sore throat because I'm not used to this weather being outside for two hours and it was 30 degrees, you know. But, I do. Uh, but other, to stay home. other than that, uh-huh, go ahead. No, I just said glad I stayed home. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, um, yeah. And Brianna's first. Uh, Brianna, if you have any questions for for Josie on, on this reawaken America tour, Brianna, do you know about these at all? Have you heard of the, these tours? They're going around the country. Um, yeah, I've heard about them, but I don't really know much about them. Okay. It's fun. So what... It's like a two day uh, event. Uh, they, I, I believe they put way too many people uh, on this particular event the Ann Vanderspiel uh, she didn't get to speak because there was no time uh, hmm. she showed up uh, somebody seen her I didn't get to see her mm-hmm. and uh, I said where is Ann she never made it on stage because there was no time but they had a lot a lot of good doctors a lot of good information about the vaccines uh, it's worse than what we think it is uh, Dr. Uh, What's her last Penny? Uh, I cannot think of her name. Oh, right Tim Penny. Great. Sherry Tim Penny. Tim Penny. Yeah. She was very, very good. Name. Very good. Yeah. And yeah. Simone Gold, uh, mm-hmm. very good too, with so much passion, and especially Doctor Artist. Oh my God. And then the music started playing, like time to get off the the, the stage, and he's like, I got more to say. And, <laughs> and people were like really, like, like they wanted to hear more. And he's carrying in his pocket the block clocks that I guess he must have got from uh, uh, dead people at a funeral home. 
and uh, we met in the back, uh, and I introduced uh, Ann, my girlfriend from Ohio, that we met there, and he showed me. I said, can I hold it? And I took a picture of it. I think I sent it to you. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, so we talked a little bit about it, um, and his wife was there and his son. Very nice, very nice people. But Judy Mikovich, she's awesome. She is promoting RightYourLove.com, Greg. Yeah, I saw the video. Right in front of everybody. Did, it is did so anybody good. ask her about it, though? That's the question. This is a follow-up. You know, see, the problem with it is, I mean, you and I know what that is. But when people are just mm-hmm. listening and they're waiting for food, you know, how many people actually saw it and went, oh, RightYourLove.com, I'm going to advocate those bills because the bills were so tiny. The links were so small in that screenshot that he gave, that she put up there. Yeah, well, but I... but I did share it with a lot of people, and people were taking a picture because I brought the page with all the information from the radio station, the website. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. And the and the schedule time they were on, and people were taking pictures with their cell phone. Uh, many people. I gave them the site, and uh, so Good. in a hotel, in the restaurant, mm-hmm. I said, "Come and listen to us." Uh, so. We uh, we're gonna we should be growing quickly. Uh, next week we have a surprise. I invited this. Do you want me to tell people now? It's up to you. If it's confirmed, yes. If not, no. We'll just kind of hold off. I like to oh, wait until we actually. Just, we... just remind her, uh, Ashley's mom, the okay. young woman that was murdered at the Capitol. She was supposed to be on today with me. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. my guess. I didn't know if she had 15 minutes. She told me I think I have 15 minutes. But then when we realized the time difference, uh, they were going to go to D.C. Uh, at the court. Uh, so she said, no, I won't be able to make it. It'll be 9 o'clock. I'll be in court. So it it will happen next week, hopefully. That's fine. Um, yeah, so, I'll, I'll clear a reporter. You yeah. know, if we can talk to Ashley Babbitt's mother. Yeah, absolutely. She's welcome anytime. But uh, that's, yeah. that's going to be fabulous. Yeah. yeah, see, you do some amazing work. I mean, the people that you meet. You know, the folks, you're such a schmoozer, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> You'll talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. So then, if anybody wants to, to know ready, schmoozing, talk to Josie. Yeah. You know, she's, she's, she's the best. And then when I, she's ready, we got Mariposa. It's like butterfly mm-hmm. in English. Mm-hmm. Mariposa. Uh, she'll be with us also. Uh, I remember her. She has a lot of stories, and she was in jail for 45 days. She was telling me all about it. Oh, that's a different person. Uh, I thought you meant your friend, uh, Mariposa. This is somebody different. No, this is somebody different. She was in jail for 45 days. Uh, and then she'll share the story about the whole thing. I don't want to say anything. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, she has a lot of stories about different things. She's very conservative uh, from California. Mm-hmm. And they were after her way before January the 6th, Greg, she was telling me, because she's a, she's a very out there telling it like it is and uh they didn't like it they didn't like her on facebook and all the stuff that she was telling oh, i know that she feeling she's been researching <laughs> yeah like i'm still she, restricted yeah we did you know yeah, oh, they, really? they rolled over you know they i had my first one started i think uh like two or three months ago so you have a 90 day you know we're gonna put you lower in the news feed well, i was already lower in the news i don't know how much lower i can go right and so they renewed it january 9th so they have like five different times they've renewed this 90 day uh, thanks. I don't think I'm ever going to get out of the 90 day suspension because they keep renewing it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 30 days into it. And so you, you never get out. Yeah. I'm still not yeah. Gonna, I'll still do what I do. But, yeah. but a few of the doctors were warning us about the flu shot. Stay away from mm-hmm. that. Stay away from any shot. And please advise your families to stay away from any child vaccine, period. Yeah. 
They're they're tampering with it, and they've been doing this for years and years. We just did not know. Like well, Dr. Judy was. See, I still remember back us. in the '90s, though, when my daughter was younger. That uh, mid '90s, there was another huge uprising against vaccines. Then, because we had Gulf War syndrome, mm-hmm. we had some of the other problems, and so the the whole anti-vax movement. And people, uh, I've talked about this before. People say, "Well, I'm not anti-vax. I just don't like this one." Well, I am anti-vax. And I've been anti-vax since the uh-huh. 90s. I, I see no use for these things. They're, they cause more trouble than they solve. Um, most of the diseases are, are either cured by natural immunity, uh, sanitation, or other things. The, 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 so, the so-called vaccine comes along you know, after the disease is pretty much gone. We had that confirmed yesterday. We had yeah. Rebecca Hardy on from Texans for, for Vaccine Choice. She was a great person on yesterday. So you got to check out that show. She was yeah. talking about the same thing with polio. So the, the, the whole idea of these things. But you know who explained it best was Dr. Shiva. Dr. Shiva talked about medicine is, is individual. And the original purpose of the, the messenger RNA you know, jab, the gene mm-hmm. jab, was that it be tailored mm-hmm. to every individual. But, that, but the last place where you don't have individual medicine, individual prescriptions, you know, where you have one-size-fits-all, maximum economies mm-hmm. of scale yeah. distribution, is vaccines. They don't care if you've had the disease or not. They don't check your immunity. They don't care about your, your age, your sex, your, your genetic makeup, your predispositions. They don't care about anything, even if you're already immune to whatever it is they're, they're giving you a shot for. They don't care about anything. They give everybody the same thing, and they give kids less of Like you just said, one size fits all, and that's not fair because your doctor right. should say, hey, you got this and this and this and type of condition. You cannot do this, and yeah. they don't care. They just force and if you don't get the job, you lose your job. If you don't get that, you walk out of the military or, or you can be in trouble. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, they have put humans in America in so much panic and fear and threat that that's not right what these people have done. And, you know, it's sad, Greg, that mm-hmm. I met so many people in this event that they are vaccinated and they're regretting it. Ooh, all I'm the sorry. Ladies, we talked for an hour and uh-huh. they heard it all. They were like heartbroken because they know they're gonna die, and what do you do? You know, I was talking well, to this lady. You go to Doctor the Real Doctor Judy dot com. I think it's Cardio Miracle and some other things you can do. Mm-hmm. You reduce the spike proteins in your blood. You get rid of the blood clots. Yeah. You know, you do everything. You there's there. You know, in fact, I, I remember my PSA used to play saying, you know, once you have it, it's too late. You know, but it's, it's not true. There are things you can do now. There's a lot of things you can do. But that's not widespread but one either. Of the doctors, uh-huh. But one of the doctors, I forgot who it was, he said nothing is going to help. Once you get the shot, you're done. He says any time that you got the shot, like my mom's cousin died within 20 minutes from the second shot. Oh, wow. Well, she had a stroke and then she died mm-hmm. uh, 20 minutes after. Uh, any time from the, from the time you get the vaccine, you might have three to five years, and that's about it, this other doctor was saying. And then another doctor, and I forgot who it was. It was so many. And another mm-hmm. doctor was saying that it seems like they're working on a reverse, you know, like the reverse abortion uh, vac- uh, injection that the Dr. Lyle has. And there's been a few babies that we have reversed after they take the pill to abort the baby. There's a reverse uh, uh not pill, but injection the Dr. Lyle has done. Well, that's Two interesting. babies have been born. Wow. Mm-hmm. So See, well, they do that with, um, 
with fentanyl, there's something, I forgot what it's called, it starts with an N, but there's something you can take that, that, that cancels fentanyl. Anti-venom works the same way. If you've got a snake bite or a spider bite, uh-huh. they can counteract yeah. the poison with anti-venom. There is, so this, this is actually a, a fairly common you know, medical treatment to reverse you know, allergy medicine reverses the effects of your allergy. So this is, it would not surprise me that there's a reverse uh, drug that stops the, uh, is it, are well, you 486? Well, they're working on it, he said. Yeah. 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 So okay. I feel sad for this woman at the hotel talking because she heard the whole thing for two days, okay? And uh-huh. then her and her husband, the reason she got the shot because she needed surgery and the has already, but we cannot do surgery unless you're vaccinated. And she was so scared to do it, but they didn't have any choice at that time uh, because she really needed the surgery. So her yeah. husband says, honey, I will take the shot too. And if we die both, we die together. So both oh, of wow. us are fully vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. They should, yeah. They should never have that, uh, have to make a decision never. like that. Yeah. No, the hospitals are criminals and we know it now. We did mm-hmm. not know then, but they are criminals, criminals, criminals. And uh, like I was saying, I don't know if I share with you about this nurse that, yeah, I think I did last week, actually, that mm-hmm. uh, this lady ripped her head open and uh, the blood clots were coming out of the cut and he's picking this lady up. He's never seen anything like it. And if a nurse is accused in a hospital of being murdered, can you imagine other people that don't have a clue what are they going to be calling these hospitals and doctors in it? It is a well, shame. This is this is a holocaust. A, lot of a, medical, a medical induced holocaust. You know, we had we you know Germany killed six million. Actually, it killed six million Jews. Probably about another six million other people. Th- th- that's nothing compared to what's happening now, and it's all happening individually. Mm-hmm. But it's not being recorded. It's not being noticed. Nobody knows yet. So here's what do you think is going to happen? Uh, Bianchi's online too. You can speculate on this as well. When the majority of people. Who, who were forced, they fought for us. I mean, like I say, you can quit your job. You could have gotten out of the military. You don't have to take it. People, you know, or surgery, there must be a place you can go, you know, for surgery. I don't know where you go, maybe a state or something like that. I know people felt compelled to know. do it. But what are people going to do? Once, you know, enough people realize that they've been betrayed on this and they've got a death yeah. sentence or, you know, you're going to have yeah. a revolution in this country. And we just have to stand back, yeah. and, and, you know, the vaccinated are going to go nuts. And they're going but to you be know, so... Let me share, let me share a quick thing. Brianna's still on? Night. No, Brianna's left us. No, she, she hung up a little Brandy. bit ago, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. But, she but let that. me but... tell you quickly before I forget. Last okay, night I was going back and forth texting with my friend. Wow. Mike Flynn? General Mike Flynn? Oh, Jesse just dropped. She drops at the wrong time. So you mentioned Mike Flynn's name, and your call immediately gets canceled. <laughs> That's hysterical. Jackie, what were you going to say? No, I thought Brianna, uh, sorry, Brianna was still on. I was going to ask ask her that question, but she's gone, and see what her thoughts are. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, Josie's back. <laughs> Yeah, Brianna normally, like I say, um, she doesn't really have like contact information or websites or things like that. So I really don't ask her that question. So I just, you know, invite her to stay on as long as she wants to. And then uh, when she has, you know, school, (laughs) then she goes, uh, which makes sense. So she only hangs on about 10, 15 minutes at the most anyway. But you never know. I mean, you can always ask. Uh, But uh, Josie's back. So you you said Mike Flynn and then you disappeared. Is that the FBI KGB listening to us again or what? 
I don't know, my colon just boom. But last night I was texting with my girlfriend that I begged her not to vaccinate her husband. He had a stroke a few years before the pandemic, and he needed some minor surgery, and they were going to help him in the head to see if he can mm-hmm. have his speech recover again and whatever. But mm-hmm. they forced him, if if he didn't get the shot, that they were not going to do no type of surgery too. This is one of my childhood friends um, oh, that wow. I grew up with in Miami. So she got the first shot, and uh, she didn't tell me. She kept it all a secret. I begged her not to. And then the second shot, and a few days later, uh, his head was like a watermelon I shared with you guys before. So last right. night, we were going back and forth because I'm on fire about everything that I heard this weekend from all these type of doctors, not just one or two, but many doctors were there. And um, I was sharing with her, the let's rescue your children if you don't want to rescue yourself. And she said, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I'm in a lot of pain with what I have been through. I blame the vaccine for my husband's death, meaning she blames herself because she didn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. And But the thing is, she's in denial that she don't want no help. She don't want anything for her. I think her daughter is like uh, under 30 maybe, mm-hmm. or her son. They're both young. And uh, she refuses help. And uh, I don't know why. I mean, because last time we talked on the phone, she goes, well, it's too late for all of us vaccinated. That's what she said. There's nothing we can well, do. That's not I true. There is something. That's not I true. Know. We used to so, think it was true. So I, I that's, why, that's why I don't play that uh, PSA anymore because it's not true. Judy Mikevitz told me on the air. So, Greg, that's not true anymore. I'm like, okay, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, then we learned about all these things. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bianchi, huh. good morning. I know you were going to say something, but I didn't want to forget that part from last night. Good morning, Josie. Happy to know that you're back safely and you're still on top of everything. Well, I try. How you been? Thank you for the videos. Uh, you just sent me one about this teacher and a coach collapsing, and we're going to hear There's more so and more of this. That's what the that's what the doctors were saying. At the end of the year, we're going to have so many people dead. It's going to be normal. Oh, so-and-so dropped it. So-and-so had a heart attack. So-and-so had a stroke. Uh, it's, it, we're going to be kind of like immune to it. Like it's going to be normal to hear that so-and-so dropped dead of a heart attack. Very sad. Well, they're still hiding it. They're still not saying, you know, and uh, the code words are uh, died suddenly, <laughs> you know, as we all hear, uh, and we hear, and they don't give a cause. You know, see, but I, I'm guessing 90, 95% of the, of the cases when people die, especially dying suddenly, you generally know what it is. If they have a bad heart, it was a heart condition. If they have uh, cancer, it was cancer. Uh, if they have uh, a stroke, you know, I mean, that's pretty obvious what these causes of death, and those are the big ones. If they're alcoholic, yeah. you know, that we know that causes death. If they smoke and get lung cancer, there's a cause of death. So most people generally know, you know, or if you have whatever comorbidities, if you have diabetes, alcoholism, uh, you know, obesity and something else, you know, a bad heart, put all those together. Well, we know what kills you, those four, <laughs> you know. And so mm-hmm. how do we not know? So to me, when they don't give a cause of death or, or they say natural causes, which is code word for the, the COVID shot, we know. So when's the revolt going to start? Yeah. When are people going to, you know, what's the critical mass? You know, at what point are enough people going to get furious that they're going to be storming their, their, their government offices and saying, how dare you? 
you know, and it was mm-hmm. all for money. So here's, the, here's the sickening thing. Yeah. The hospitals, the reason they were insisting on the COVID jab, uh, the snake oil, was not because it was a health measure, because we all knew it wasn't. Because 99.97% of people do fine with COVID. In fact, Dr. McCullough released on the show that 94% of Americans have had COVID. Well, if 94% of Americans have yeah. had COVID, that's herd immunity. That was herd immunity way back at 70% or less. So there's nowhere for COVID to go except to vaccinated people, quote unquote, um, because they have a lower immune system and they're lower. To, they're the ones generating the, uh, um, the what do they call it? So the mutants, <laughs> the mutations, mm-hmm. mutants, something like yeah. that. So, so all the mutations are being generated among people that have the jab because they have a lowered immune system that was, quote, specific to one particular strain, uh, usually the one that doesn't exist anymore. So everybody who's getting a jab now is getting a jab for a, a virus that died, you know, uh, in 2021. It was gone by then. We only yeah. had the variants. Shit. And uh, all, the rest of us yeah. have had it. Like I said, Josie, you heard me on the air. Pianchi, too. You heard me when I had COVID. Yeah. Yes. I sounded terrible oh, for yeah. two weeks. But I wasn't dying. <laughs> you know, I could breathe fine. I just, I just was, you know, run down and my voice sounded like hell. And I coughed a lot. Well, you sound like a it. different guy on the radio at that time. <laughs> I, should, I should get those. I, I, you know, I keep... I keep meaning to get those out, do my, my, my COVID anniversary uh, shows when I sent a chat. I was begging for co-hosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know what it was. Nobody knew what it well, was. Pianchi? There's so much going on. The, the coroner in Seattle, Washington, is running out of place space for dead bodies because of the fentanyl surge. They've had at least one person die each day of this month thus far, and they don't have no place to store these people. Wow. Well, how's it doing? How's COVID but, doing? But, go ahead. Go ahead, Josie. Bianchi, but about four years ago, there was a video uh, going around that there was almost a million portable coffins somewhere in Georgia uh, <laughs> put somewhere by the Democrats because they've been planning this killing for a long time, and they were not going to have enough cemetery funeral homes that they were just going to dump the bodies on those portable uh, uh, coffins that you can fit at least three people on each one. And wow. they almost had about a million in the videos where we sh- they show in. Do you know who's mm-hmm. not dying? Do you know who's not dying from uh, COVID jabs? Them. Them. Well, them too, <laughs> but I'm just saying illegal aliens because they don't have to have it. There's no, no requirement for illegal aliens who are getting welfare illegally and other things illegally, uh, voting illegally, but there's no requirement for illegal aliens yep. to get a COVID shot. They're not required they, they the vaccine. Because <laughs> they don't work legally, right? <laughs> you know, at least they, they shouldn't. Um, but there's, but uh, So I had a theory, and I was listening to Naomi Wolf yesterday. She was on uh, Steve Bannon, and I've heard her before on, on mm-hmm. Emerald Robinson. So I usually listen. Oh, I forgot to make an announcement. Um, I'm going to be on with Brian Artis at the end of the show. So uh, show ends at 10. I'm on with Brian Artis at 11. So I just found out today. I got a text during the show. So uh, that's going to be kind of oh, cool. Oh, today? Yeah, today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen right out. Yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get more interviews directly after my show. So I've, I already got the adrenaline flowing. So oh. check into Brian's show. I'll be on the Brian Artist show. Yeah. I'll be, I'll post that Good. afterwards. Yeah. I just started Substack too. So I got my first Substack article out too. So I'm going to have more of those, uh, those coming. But, um, you know, so, so the theory I was kind of forming yesterday, I'm going to do a show on this or a series of shows. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it. But uh, the left is fond of talking about the great replacement. You know, this, this bogus theory that white people are scared that people who are not white are going to take over the country and the white people are all going to end up in gulags or, or live in a country where, you know, people don't look like us. Well, yeah, I say that on a show where I'm the only white guy, right? Um, but it's, it's kind of funny. 
and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. but the real great replacement, the real great replacement is replacing people that believe in freedom. And so in this country, mm-hmm. Western Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, you know, uh, any, any place where we're, and the strongest beliefs of freedom started in England, you know, with white guys, <laughs> you know, started with Magna Carta mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and then came to the United States. And so, so this is the greatest country of freedom. Now, the nice thing is that uh, freedom's for everybody, you know, and so yeah. but it, doesn't, it doesn't matter who it is. But you look at the people, you know, the entertainers, the football players, you know, every, everybody that makes up America, all our, our different, you know, backgrounds and, and both sexes. You know, of course, there's no more than that. Um, but those are the folks who are dying. Anybody who believes in freedom, anybody who's successful, anybody who, yeah, anybody who's an entertainer, you know, all these folks that bragged about getting the jab. You know, and uh, Larry King, you know, uh, who, Hank Aaron. Yeah, you know, all Larry these folks King that, died from the vaccine. Yeah, they all lined mm-hmm. up for Hank Aaron and Marvin Hagler were like the first big three. Those are the ones that come to mind. Uh, Irene Cara, uh, all these different, uh, Ivana Trump, very popular. She was definitely, uh, you know, uh, got the jab. And who? And just uh, uh, what uh, Priscilla, not Priscilla Presley, who Lisa Marie Presley. Lisa Marie Presley died. Just died. Basically. And I think she was a big, And was you know, telling me from Ohio that she heard that she had a booster like a few days before her heart attack. Because yeah. the boosters are bad. Well, the more and, you get, the worse it is. It's like poison. Did, yeah. Yeah. Did you hear Did you hear of the ceremony they had uh, to honor uh, Diamond? And her sister's talking about she didn't say that she got vaccinated. But I thought she was not vaccinated at all. So I don't know. I've uh, been thinking about that. Died. I was thinking I about that know. because the way she died of, lo- I, I heard a, a clip. I didn't see the actual, uh, the whole funeral, the whole ceremony. I should probably watch it. Uh, if I watch everything yeah. I watch, I would never do my show. That's the problem. Uh, but uh, I remember, but I, I was thinking because she kept talking about her, her breath was getting less and less and, and she died very quickly and very suddenly. So it sounds uh-huh. like a COVID shot. And we're not the only ones speculating. I can't tell you my source, but, you know, That's people, what I, it I, sounds I talk to about me. This. It sounds to me, too. Mm-hmm. So here's my question. You know, would, would, would Silk, you know, admit that? You know, is that something that's going to come out? I mean, is, you know, I mean, a lot of conservatives took the jab for various reasons. Um, but did she, you know, mm-hmm. did Diamond panic early on uh, and insist on getting it? I mean, it was free will. People had a choice. In fact, it was easier to get it than not get it. Mm. Not getting it was the was the position. Well, so here's the question: Did Silk get one too? I don't know. I don't because either. I thought these women yeah. were very conservative and not were doing none of that crap. So I don't well, know how, what's going on. Well, here's the question: for you. I guess Bianca is second here. But so so now here's the question: How many conservatives have secretly, secretly gotten the jab and don't want to say so? They have. Yeah. Aren't they scared? They are free. Yeah. go ahead. Tell me. Wow. Yeah, they are free. You see, that's human nature. Human natures bring about fear. I don't care what your right. political aspiration is. Your first uh, rule of the day is survival. And also, they just can't believe that what we are talking about, that there's somebody out that will kill you today in this country. They just can't believe it. So Why wouldn't they believe it? Yeah. Didn't everybody study the Holocaust in school? I mean, I learned at 10 years old. You know, I was 10 years old in Australia, and there was a special, a British special that came out called The World at War. It was narrated by Laurence Olivier. 
you know, my parents told me about it. They, they didn't realize how graphic it really was. I mean, they, they showed us the death camp films and they showed us the, the, the bodies and the whole bit. And, uh, and I didn't quite have nightmares, but I was really horrified and disgusted. And I thought, and of course, my first question is, how could Germans let this happen? How could they, how could they not know? And as you got more into the story, you find out they, they really didn't know about the Holocaust, but they certainly knew about Hitler. And they certainly, and they elected him. I mean, he was democratically elected. So there's your democracy in action, folks. You know, and, and so, you know, do we fault the German people for not doing anything? Well, those that did were, were lined up against a wall and shot, you know, because the Nazis were organized. So the Nazis were only 2% of the population in Germany when, when Hitler took over. They're a very small percentage, but they were organized. Same thing with our federal government. We have enough people, enough guns to overrun our federal government anytime we want to, but we're not organized. And I don't recommend it anyway. I'm just saying, but we're physically, we, the American people, are physically capable of, of uh, doing anything we want if we're, if we're organized, but we're not. So this is why the federal government has power, because the federal government's not that big. You're talking about 287,000 armed bureaucrats. Okay, well, there's a lot more than that armed in any major city of, of, of regular American citizens. You know, but they're organized. Yeah. And they've got the tanks and the airplanes. Well, you the know, the thing that this. gets me uh-huh. is that these people, you see, anybody in certain areas of the country, the people are so naive that mm-hmm. they vote for folks other than why they should be. Mm-hmm. And a person who was out of well, I'm not going to say it like that. A person who was ir- a person who was unemployed one day could be congressman the next, and then if they work for two terms, they receive one hundred eighty five thousand dollars free medical at uh, mm-hmm. Walter Reed. That's ridiculous. I thought it was I thought it was one term, but it might be two terms. You might be right. I mean, it's, it's certainly worth checking. But yeah, uh, yeah, I you're think probably, it's two I'll, terms I'll, I'll for a congressman. Okay. Well, that's uh, fine. Yeah. Well, here's another senator. thing. Mm-hmm. If you're going to, at two terms, and you're going to receive that pension for life, which is your salary, why right. would you continue to stay there? Well, I can tell you why. Because they want to get some more money from lobbyists, uh, from advocates mm-hmm. of certain electric cars, for instance. Insider That's trading. That's why they stay there. Yeah, in, insider trading is a big one. Plus the speaking well, fees, endorsements, and everything else. But what's been happening with our government system is they've been cheating for years and years and years and years. We did not know. That's why mm-hmm. they act like if they're going to lose, and all of a sudden they win by a few points, and they make sure they win. And that's mm-hmm. why some people are there 40, 50 years mm-hmm. in office. It is ridiculous well, see, that they stay is... that long until they die. It is we well, this is why I started Action Radio. Uh, no, Jesse, you're absolutely right. But this is the reason I started Action Radio is because I realized the politicians, you can have term limits, you can do anything you want, but as long as you have parties and as long as you have loyalty away from, you know, we the people, that they're responsible to the lobbyists and to the parties and everybody else, no matter who's in office, doesn't matter whether mm-hmm. they, you, have, you have one person staying for, for 20 years or four people staying for five years, it doesn't matter. The, the, the politics, mm-hmm. the elections are stolen. The candidates are stolen. The only thing left is the laws. The only thing left that's transparent about our government is the laws, because you can read the laws. The laws are on the books. Now, they haven't found a way to yeah. disguise the laws yet. They're not hiding the laws from us. So the only thing we can really have an effect on is actually changing the laws. The only thing that's open are the laws themselves. And that's why I started Action Radio back in 2014. You know, so this well, has been a long... That's yeah, why, go ahead. That's why we need term limits. That way these people quit cheating to stay in office that long. Term limits is so 
so important. Look, the president can only say four years, and that's about it. That should be done for everybody else, four to six years for some of the congressmen, and no more than that. But what because if you the corruption get, well, is so deep. Right, but what if you get a corrupt person every time? I mean, just no. See, this is why I don't think term limits work because you can you, you can kick no. people out of office, but there's plenty of corrupt people to take their place. You're not changing the system. I, it's okay, but at least you don't have the same well, idiot stealing like it puts the odds in your favor. In California. What you said, Bianca? I say it puts the odds in your favor. <laughs> I would rather have to deal with five at two terms each than one at 10, 20 years each. He's already proven to be a crook. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a valid point. Yeah. I, I just disagree. I, you know, I, I don't think uh, candidates are the answer. I don't think term limits, because we have term limits. You know, so the problem is not really the candidates. The problem is the voters. The voters can turn out a member of Congress, a member of the House, every two years. They can turn out a senator every six years. Greg, the voters are lazy because they keep hearing the same name. Oh, Nelson, so-and-so from Florida. They keep voting for Nelson. What a crook. Mm-hmm. What a crook he was for so long. Mm-hmm. But see, gets... it's not just, it's just not that they're lazy too, but the cheating that we didn't know it was going on too. So it's a combination of both. And like everybody not everybody, but many people would text me, who do I vote for? Why can't they do their own research and make a decision for themselves? Mm-hmm. I was telling a lot of people who to vote for on Messenger. Oh, should I vote for this one? Or what about this one? And I'm like, I- I'm doing my homework. I know who not to vote for. So I did help a lot of people because we wanted to help our country. So it's sad that but now a lot of people are learning more about politics than before because of the corruption that we're facing at this moment. But didn't have a clue about anything before. So these people been handling our country, stealing uh, right in front of our eyes. And they're telling us about it. And we just been blinded about it. Not me, but many. So hopefully things will change pretty soon and things can go back to even better than what we were before in America. It'd be nice, you. but the fundamental question still... I don't think... Go ahead, go ahead, Pinky. I don't think things, things are going to change pretty soon. I think it's going to get worse. And see, the key thing there... See, Greg, you say we already have term limits. Yeah, that is if things are running the way it's supposed to. But you got ignorant people. These people are ignorant. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why there's this idea of making everybody vote, you know, and, and requiring votes. I, I you know, I say, I tell the ignorant, stay home. You know, we go to the, such Herculean efforts to have people vote. I would not have mail-in ballots. If you can't get to the polls, you can't get to the polls. Okay. If you can't get to the election office, you can't get to the election office. I would have early voting and uh, and absentee for those that absolutely can. But that's it. If you're too lazy to vote, don't vote. Stay away. Yeah, generally, the fewer people yeah. who vote, the better a decision, because the, only the informed people and the motivated people should be voting. The rest of you stay home. Watch football. Drink beer. Leave yeah. me alone. Don't vote. You you know, know, man, we, we, should have a, we should have a don't vote campaign. Don't vote unless you know. <laughs> unless you know what's going on, don't vote. Yeah. You know, we, hey, I we, like we that. Should... Don't vote unless you know. <laughs> don't vote unless like you know. That. I'm going to write that down. Don't vote unless you know. <laughs> I like that. That'll be our campaign in two years. You know, in the civil rights period, in uh-huh. the civil rights period in Mississippi, Mm-hmm. They had remote ballot boxes. But you know what the difference was between then and now? 
people were honest then. They had morals. They had a set uh, prescribed uh, don't do's, you know, don't mm-hmm. steal and so forth. They were more That's moral true. and ethical then. Yeah. And we didn't have drag queens in school. But- <laughs> oh my God, that's ridiculous! Well, we had a couple me... drag queens. We had a couple drug queens uh, drag at the event. Man, I cannot believe they had the biggest high heels and huge and tall. Both of them, mm-hmm. so-called girls, but they were not girls. He can tell. No, they're guys. They're dudes. And, uh, we should call them dude queens. <laughs> the dude queens. Where, where yeah. does drag come from? They come dude queens. Or how about transvestite? People don't use the word transvestite anymore. Well, one of the things I want to talk about Tranny. uh, trannies, yeah. Well, that, I, I like transvestite. Um, you guys remember Rocky Horror Picture Show? No. Oh, you never saw it. Pianchi, did you ever see the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah. Oh, this is crazy. All right. <laughs> so this, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it, was, it made fun of oh, transvestites. Yeah. The, the lead character is a British actor. I've forgotten his name. He was also in the... Robin Hood, the Disney film. I'll think of his name in a minute. Um, but he was great. <laughs> anyway, but the point was we could make fun of things. And one of the things I want to talk to Brianna about next time I get her on uh, is the fact that, you know, we used to have a normal life. You know, we, this is not normal. What's going on now is not normal. People don't pick their own pronouns. They don't pick their genders. You know, uh, marriage means a man and a woman. You know, I want to get back to normal life. You know, we, we've lost normal. We've lost all side of normal. And we don't tell people that's not normal. You know, if you want to be a cross-dresser, fine. You know, go in your room and dress any way you want. But don't, you know, and even if you want to walk on the street, that's fine, too. I don't really care. But don't go in schools. We've got to protect the kids. You know, and so people are afraid to talk about what's normal. You know, it, it's like we were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, the fact that people are, are accepting what the government says. Why would you ever, or it couldn't happen here. Why would you ever think that any government's different than any other government? Government's the same. Whether it's the German government, the Chinese government, the Japanese government, the, uh, you know, the Mongol government under Genghis Khan, you know, pick a government. Pick a government that hasn't mm-hmm. been oppressive. They pick all do when they get enough power. You know? <laughs> so, the, so, so, it's not, so it's human nature. So, so when the Germans said, well, it can't happen here, you know, it happened, you know, the only reason it didn't happen here in the United States, because we had a socialist, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, is we had a constitution. He actually had limitations. He had to declare war. You know, then, it's the last time we declared war. But the, different, the thing that separates us from the only reason we haven't had a dictatorship like these other places, Venezuela, is we have a constitution. Now, the constitution is nowhere near as strong as it should be, nor is it enforced the way it should be. But it's still there. You know, it's still that and we, thin, and we got our thin paper too. line. You know, it's called the, the constitution is the thin paper line between us and uh, totalitarianism. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, today people are taught, young people aren't taught constitution they taught feeling and what's uh, right and wrong see right and wrong is subjective you have to have laws mm-hmm. and you have to have a law above all other laws and they aren't taught that yeah I know it's, it's funny we do all that stuff <laughs> but uh, but it's not but that's you know see fundamentally you cannot have a free society if you have a government education I think the governments mm-hmm. have proven fundamentally you know we're on, we're on the Prussian model you know, which became the German model, you know, which is a, a hierarchical, top-down factory assembly line. Basically, schools are built like 1800s factories, and they have a bell, you know, so that's conditioned people. It's like they're all Pavlov's dogs, conditioned to 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 mm. to do things when the bell goes. Yeah, go ahead, Josie. And you know, 
like I said before over and over, it is so crazy about this gays and lesbian tranny and all that. Mm-hmm. They always choose because I get a lot in my store. Who's the woman and who's the man? So there it is, right there. Mm-hmm. They have That's knowledge that there should be a woman and a man. So they make a decision, this two girls. She's the mm-hmm. he and she's the she. Yeah, guys I are mean, the they're same thing. freaking confused in the head, period. Yeah, there, there uh, were two guys who are friends of mine uh, when I lived in Oakland, uh, when I first moved out to California. And, you know, California, the Bay Area has a large gay population. So anyway, the two guys. And there was definitely the, the male guy and the female guy. And, not, you know, they weren't ch- altering their, their genders, their, their, their physical makeup. They were just playing roles. One played the role of the guy. The gay guy was the guy. And then the gay guy was the woman. You know, it was pretty obvious the difference between them. They're both friends of mine. But it, there, should be, that, there should be a what? marriage with two men. I mean, according to them, two men. Why are you choosing a woman and a man? If you reject God's creation of a woman and a man, there should be a couple. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, you're going to marry a, a dude, so two dudes are married. Why are you calling her she and he's he? No, you know, you know? it's so stupid. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with lesbian mind. couples. You have the, the more, you know, macho, brutal member of the, of the pair, and you have the more feminine one. Oh, yeah. You know? And actually, lesbian relationships I've heard are the most violent. I mean, you know about domestic violence? Those are the ones, statistically. Mm-hmm. So feel free to look it up. My niece, but the question my is, niece is bisexual. My mm-hmm. niece, and she's going for older women. She says she mm-hmm. likes both. She likes men, too. She's confused. Poor, poor young woman. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a shame. Yeah, that would get you killed. Why would it get you killed? <laughs> Liking men and women? Well, from what I've heard, I actually met a bisexual dude. I was uh, driving an airport shuttle. It's one of those weird jobs I had. And one of the guys, you know, was bisexual. And it was only the both of us in the, in the advance. We actually got to talk openly about this. He says there are very few true bisexuals. He says a lot of people think they are, but, you know, most people are, are straight. Uh, a certain portion are, are, are gay. It's like 2% of the population. He says a very small percentage of them are actual true bisexuals, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know that. Well, you know, so, yeah. here's mm-hmm. the thing about it. It is nasty as hell to be that way. Because you are tunneling in one way with a man, and you're tunneling in one way with a female. And it's, 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 it's risky. It's well, sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's normal. Like Josie said, it's sick. If it's not sick it from just sick. the idea, it's sick mm-hmm. from the indulgence in it. Well, without getting too graphic on my yeah. show here, because people are still having breakfast. Um, but, but the question is, can we redefine of what normal is. It's like people are terrified of using the word normal. Heterosexual is normal. Homosexual is not. Now, do I condemn people for it? No. You know, other folks do, and that's fine. Uh, would I call, you know, uh, people of the same sex married? No, not legally, not by law. But if, would I stop them from doing it? No. People can choose to be with whoever they want. I don't care. Well, Iran, dis- Iran would condemn you for it. Nigeria would condemn you for it. Well, it's not about Nigeria. In Iran, I, know, get, I know what Iran does. In Iran, you get lit. Well, yeah, exactly. But what does yeah. Nigeria do? If you marry and, you, and you're doing that and messing with a, and having a relationship with a man that way, you get lit. Really? That's interesting. But you know, but you know, in the Middle East, they don't want gays, okay? But that's in front of the public's eyes. But mm-hmm. literally and truly, 
there's a lot of gays in the Middle East, and they're trafficking our young men. One of our young uh, men, uh, the grandparents used to come to the abortion clinic with us, 23-year-old beautiful young man. He's probably in the Middle East being sold daily in one of those huge castles. So it's just all fake. They're like fake news. They say they're going to behead if you're gay, but they're, they're stealing our beautiful young men from our country as little kids to bring them over there like a farm, to raise them over there. And uh, I know for a fact about that because we rescued this woman, my church in Miami, we rescued mm-hmm. this woman that they had locked up being sold all day long. And then after, uh, after 10 years, she was wore out. They sold her to these men for $30,000. She had a couple of kids, and we first, she told us the whole thing that is going on in those huge castles. There's a lot of young men, a lot of beautiful, and a lot of them are American. And that's why we have millions of children being gone from our country and from a lot of countries. Ten million a year are missing uh, all over the world or more now. Uh, so they're fake. They they love gays. This gay thing has been going on for a long time in a lot of countries. They just put a fake front so people think that they don't like gays, but they're in it too. So it's just a corruption completely worldwide. Uh, John Rivers, she called out Obama gay and Michelle Obama tranny, and two weeks later she was dead <laughs> from a minor surgery in her face. So that's really interesting. Hey, let me go. let me let me ask you a question just to sort of throw the other side of this. You know, for those that condemn gay people, gay people and, and uh, you know, our world would be very different uh, without gay entertainers, uh, particularly gay artists. You know, Freddie Mercury of Queen was gay, obviously, um, but we'd have a lot less music without Queen. Uh, Liberace, you know, piano player, known gay. I'm not talking about people that we don't know. But think about this for a second, okay? So in other words, you you can't have it both ways. You can't condemn gay people and and want to have them out of society and not acknowledge the contributions. So the question is, where do you draw the line? Everybody has a line. My line is, uh, I wouldn't stop gay people from getting together, but I don't want it called a marriage in law. In actual practice law, you know, a marriage is a man and a woman, you know, sanctioned by God, licensed by the state. So that I want to keep. Well, I want you know, to preserve the language. Hold, hold on just a second. But, but I want to preserve you the dr- language. Hold on just a second. I want to preserve the language. I want to preserve the law. But I would not stop people from doing what they want to do as long as they don't affect the kids, uh, as long as it's not out in public. Because those are just basic you know, rules of civility. Those, that's, that's my line. But I, would, but I also want to acknowledge that without gay people, our world would be very different. Just like if this country had no black people, it would be very different. Although there are people who would want to do that. The real white supremacists, the, the left-wing ones. Or they want to kick out anybody you know, who, who's not of their whatever group. So you got to understand that this country yeah, would not be, be what it is without all those different people. But being, but being mm-hmm. black or Latina or white, it's not a lifestyle. You were born like that. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not convinced the that gay, gay people aren't born gay. No, I see. I'm not convinced of that. Cause no, the they're gay not born gay. Them. Okay. Well, I've, had, no, I've no, talked to no. a lot of gay people. I lived in San Francisco. I was, in, I was not that far from but, the Castro. But Greg, yeah. is that, uh-huh. in the past, in the past, that I, I grew up with a gay guy in my neighborhood when I was a child. Mm-hmm. He kept it to himself. He didn't in, in, uh, indoctrinate us for us to become gays. I mean, mm-hmm. it's to the point now that they're shoving it in your face, and either you take it or you're a terrorist. Or, see, that, see, the or political agenda is wrong. Them. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. If so you want to live that lifestyle, mm-hmm. if you want to live that lifestyle, go ahead, keep it to yourself. I mean, I know I don't. I'm not going to do that, but it's okay. This, we have freedom to do whatever we want. Yeah. But don't come and shove it in my face. I don't want to know about it. You okay. keep it. Pianki? Yeah, and the key thing you said is the kids. The first thing they want to do is start gravitating to the kids. You know why? Mm -hmm. Because they don't produce no kids. And I don't think that they should be adopting kids either. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing is, is, I see two white males that's gay, and they don't adopt a couple of black babies. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yes, I said it. That's ridiculous. No, that's okay. Well, but, uh, let me put it this way. Our kids enti- – let's use my favorite word of today, normal. Our kids who are adopted entitled to a normal life, a normal life being a heterosexual married couple. A mom and dad. You know, a mom and dad. Okay, so that to me is normal. Now, are all families perfect? No. You know, are there – you know, if, if we run out of, you know, normal, if we run out of, of straight parents, would some kids better off with gay parents and foster care? Probably. But in the no, ideal – No, what you do is find some heterosexual parents – and make it work. That's, I mean, that's one. Okay, that's it's true. just like when you go buy fruit. If you pick up an apple, it's too soft. Mm-hmm. You go to try another apple. Mm-hmm. How about single parents? You know, would it, would you favor single parent adoption uh, over over a gay couple adoption? A single parent single with parent. a family structure, brothers, okay. fathers, uncles, aunts. Okay. That's a fair point. But Greg, what mm-hmm. I was told by this black young man uh, a couple months ago, less mm-hmm. than a couple months ago, he was in my store. He's gay. He had the fingernails and all that. And I said, what's wrong with you? I tell mm-hmm. him like that. I don't care. And he goes, yeah, I know. I said, what, what's going on with those nails? He looked like a girl. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to get him scrub for a guy. And we started talking, and he opened up to me. He says, I know that it's wrong what I'm doing. I think I'm gay, and I know in God's eyes wrong what I'm doing, and blah, blah, blah. He ended up holding hands and crying and praying. Wow. And he was telling me something. I wouldn't say to him. Like, <laughs> like Bianchi. Well, yeah. yeah. Like Bianchi. Yeah, they, I wouldn't say to him because you got, you got cases, Go Josie, where uh, I was just hearing this the other day. I'm trying to find the story where this man, this, this is a black guy, too. He uh, supported. He was he was pro the decision, the Supreme Court's mm-hmm. decision on rope. Well, he went into a place and they found out they wouldn't serve. Mm. Yeah, you can't do that. The public accommodation laws prevent that. That's discrimination. But ideological discrimination is so, discrimination. Go ahead, go ahead, Jesse. Finish. Pray, hold hands because I love him. He's a human being, but he's just confused and he admitted it that he's confused and. Uh, and then uh, he was telling me, we, he works for the social workers here, the services, child and whatever you call it, services. And he was telling me that it's not good. A lot of these men adopting little boys, it's not good at all. And he told me a lot of stuff that I don't want to repeat. Uh, but at the end, when this young man crying and praying because he loves Jesus, but he's confused. He says, I know Jesus is not happy with me. And I said, I'm going to pray for a wife for you. And he was walking out of the door, and he said, yes, please pray for me that I'll find a wife. And then he came and picked up his jacket, and he goes, my life felt so good when I walked out of here. 
I said, hmm. well, make the changes. Satan is after you, and you need to tell him, just get out, get out of my life. So you never know who you're going to touch, who you're going to uh, show them that you love them, you know. And I know he wants to make changes, and he like, I can tell. Well, it's good. Falling apart, crying about it. Yeah. So we have so to now, be So here's a question, though. At all times. Uh, well, so, so the question is, how many people are gay because they've been coerced into it, like, like kids have been coerced into thinking that uh, if they, quote, change their gender, which we know can't be done, that somehow their life will be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, did someone in this person's life, um, you know, priest, Boy Scout leader, teacher, coach, did someone in this person's life convince him that he would they be better and happier gay? Go ahead, they ought to get from religion. Okay, but think about that. So, so how do young how are young people affected? They're affected by good influences and bad influences. We know that. He was raised so, by his uh, stepdad, this young man. Wow. Okay, yeah. so that's a whole different topic. Yep. Yeah. Now, see, we, yeah. we we don't want to get too personal here. I don't want this person to be identified. Um, well, I don't know is, his yeah. name. I wouldn't allow. Oh, okay. I wouldn't yeah. allow the gay teachers to teach my kids. Okay. Another good reason. Out of this room. Hmm. But what if you had a gay teacher that was a really good teacher and never brought it into the classroom and never it wasn't a part of their teaching any more than a straight teacher, you know, bringing their their sexuality into the classroom. At she elementary, no. Teaching, so no. We don't get to see her. All right, okay, we got two of you. We got two of you once. Uh, Pianki says no at elementary school. What did you say, Josie? Uh, she or he can do online teaching, so we don't have to see. Online teaching. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> well, what about junior high, high school? You know, you got kids that are older, yeah. especially high school. Why, why would you care about a gay teacher in high school? Especially, we're, talking, we're not talking about something that, that, that's flaunting it, like that person with the prosthetic breasts or whatever that stupid thing was. But what about just the teacher who is gay? I mean, you know, we have uh, we have gay conservatives, you know, running major organizations. I tell you and why, serving because the he would and come in and get bring... his, his mate in front of the class. But that's, and that's, then he come in. One of them come in wearing Daisy Dukes shorts. Yeah, see, but, <laughs> it's a horrible image he's painting. But again, the, the the question was if they didn't bring the fact that they're gay into the classroom at all. Is there anything? Do you think that that, that gay folks are inherently incapable of not bringing the fact that they're gay into the classroom? That's the question. Well, in some way or another, they will let their lifestyle be a influence. In the way they deliver the, the lesson. Okay, so, so so you're saying that gay teachers are incapable of not bringing gay sexuality into their teaching. Well, that's a fair point. And I, you, you know. can't take a chance with your children. It's just like okay. uh, leaving a gun on the table unprotected. You can't do yeah, that that's kind of around yeah. kids. So at what point now? So would you would you question uh, people that are, are going to teach elementary school and, and and ask them point blank, are you gay? Would you would you want to have that? Because I think that's against the law right now. But would you change the law to to uh, uh, do background checks to to make sure you didn't have gay teachers at elementary school? I mean, how far would you go with it? I would I would ask them point okay. blank: Are you gay? Mm-hmm. My child sitting yeah. in your classroom, and I don't have nothing against you, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to chance my child being around you. I just mm-hmm. don't chance it. Yeah. And then you might know, have the bleeding heart liberals and say, well, what about the other ones over there? Well, you know, that's a problem, but, too. But let's handle one problem at a time. But Josie? you know what's going on right now, Greg and Bianchi? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gay people, and including my niece. She's bisexual. Um, they don't want to indoctrinate the little kids of their mm-hmm. lifestyle. 
This is our government pushing it. This is not them personally, a lot of them. I'm not saying all of them. This is our government indoctrinating our schools because our school, and we pay taxes, and they work for us, and they're shoving this garbage to our little kids. And mm-hmm. now they're mutilating the sex parts, and, and the parents don't have no say-so in some of the states. And this is horrible and a disgrace to families, to moms and dads. This is our government doing it. Because my niece, she thinks she's a bisexual. Uh, sometimes she calls herself just lesbian, but she's confused. Um, but she says, I disagree. She tells me all the time, I disagree the crap that they're doing to the little kids. And that's what she tells me all the time. <clears throat> my niece. And, uh, and I have other gay couples that come to my store. What do you think about what's going on? And they disagree too. So this is our government doing it to us. That's what's going on. Hmm. Okay. What you think about that? It's an interesting discussion. I mean, it's quite fascinating. Um, I don't know how you do that. You know, like I say, if you're going to investigate people. Well, what are the background checks for teachers? How, how much does it actually investigate? I'm sure they do a criminal background check. Obviously, they do that for jobs. But but how are teachers vetted? Does anybody know that? I'm just curious. I'm laughing here to myself. <laughs> about about what? How, how are teachers vetted? You, you have to go to the restroom and see if they go to the men's bathroom or the women's bathroom and stand right there. I'm just kidding. Oh no! I know. Yeah, do they stand up or do they sit down when they pee? <laughs> if you pee standing up, you're not. A, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yes, our wildly oh, uncontrolled discussion. I'm having fun. I can tell. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. What kind of bike do they ride? What kind of bike do they ride to school? <laughs> oh I my think god! We're a little off topic at this point, folks. Forgive I mean, my, my, my panel, my wayward panel. Let's go. Fortunately, we came to the end of the hour, which is good. We're out of control. Yeah, I know that. Oh, well, but god. they're reasonable questions. See, here's the thing. It all comes back to <laughs> I know that. Uh, to, to to normal. You know, is normal behavior, yeah. you know, do I see, I don't care about a gay teacher in the classroom so much as elementary school. Yeah, it might not be the best thing. Um, but, I, you know, well, how about gay little league coaches? You know, no. at what point? Okay. That's worse than Boy Scouts. You know, another thing, too. I mean, you know, okay. rough sports, I don't see him playing rough sports anyway. But when you're dating and you're sitting on one side of the table and you, the other person on the other side and you... Mm-hmm. Are like Greg Pinglis, you're looking for a female. But that person on the other side of the table may not be a real female, and they need to tell you what they are. They need to come out and say, look, I'm not, I'm a transvestite. They need to tell you. They need to tell, in the case of Joseph, look, I'm bisexual. I have sex with men. They need to tell you. At what and that point saves a lot of trouble you. in the long run, right. especially money you, you paying for the damn drinks. See, mm-hmm. see, but the question is, um, at what point do they need to tell you? See, I don't, I don't have the. See, with me, the determination is: do they bring their sexuality into whatever it is? Because you, you, you know, you, there's a lot of heterosexuals that bring their sexuality, like you're saying, you know, you know, be affectionate with their partner in front of the kids. You can't do that either. So the question is, it's, mm-hmm. it's behavior based. It's not who you are based to me. So in other words, I don't have a problem with a gay teacher, especially in junior high, high school, because kids are a little older, first of all. And secondly, the issue may come up. Kids may have questions. But do you deal with it academically or do you deal with it saying this is what you have to believe? So my line is very simple. Mm. Drag queens in, in the elementary schools? Absolutely not. Don't do that to the kids. Absolutely kids deserve not. a normal education. 
Okay. Now that yeah. doesn't mean you shelter them from the, all the bad things in history. Like I said, I learned about the Holocaust when I was 10 years old. You know, so that's, that's a different kind of thing. Some of these transvestites have breasts and the other parts of their male biological identity. Well, they transvestites different. Transvestites are cross-dressers. You're talking about the, you know, what, yeah, yeah. They okay. should no, tell fine. you who and what they are. Because mm-hmm. here's the point. That could save their life. Because mm-hmm. when you're dating somebody, especially mm-hmm. in today's culture, hell, you got people that want to have sex on the first night. Well, that's today's culture. It's no way in the world I've oh, done no, that when me, I was It's yesterday's in. culture, too. <laughs> that goes back to the 70s. Well, no, it's not. It wasn't for everybody. <laughs> it, was it was not yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't California. It wasn't New England. Okay. That's story. We Greg, got, we got I to go. was I get... watching up. Uh-huh. Greg, just right, quickly, and I'm going to be off the phone. Okay, that's fine. Uh, go ahead. I was watching a couple weeks ago, uh, uh-huh. Truth and Art TV, that I watch it all the time at night. And he was reporting that this uh, gay teacher, mm-hmm. she was supposed to go to a camp with the kids, uh, little kids. I don't know if they were like seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of going to the camp, she took him straight to this strip club during the day. And Uh-oh. they were teaching the kids how to do the pole dance. Can you imagine that? I, mean, I can't I imagine it. I just, I, I just I don't know. can't condone it, but it I can certainly imagine it. tell you a story. Let me tell you a quick story. This wife was suspect was, was uh, suspicious of her husband. Mm-hmm. So when he goes to sleep, she would get his cell phone and look in the cell phone for female names and pass by all the male names. Mm-hmm. He was Not messing surprised. with other men. Oh, <laughs> that's it. He was messing with other men, and she was looking for female names. Looking for the wrong sex. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of gay guys who are married who uh, who want kids. That's a whole different topic. All right, let's hold this up for a bit. I, got, I want to talk about airlines when we come back. I got a caller on the line uh, who has not identified themselves on live chat, which I ask people to do. Uh, is not in my my bank of of uh, phone numbers. Uh, so this is a new caller, but of course I always record the numbers of, of new callers. And so what I'm going to try is do a little call screening. So I'll be off the air for a minute. I'm going to play a couple of commercials here. So we're going to take a break. Josie, you have to go. Do you want to give a, a shameless plug for your store? And then. Uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> Ruth Uniform Shop on Olive Road. If anybody needs uniform for chefs or nursing, we got it all. And we're the information center. If you want to come and tell us what's going on at your facility or the hospital, nursing home, I want to know. Yeah, God and bless. it may be reported report on Action Radio, but we will withhold names and you know to protect everybody. And Action Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. All right, see you, Josie. Take care. All right, so I'm going to play a couple things uh, right now. We've got to, it's 9.07. Take a little break, and I've got a mystery caller. Like I say, I always ask people, it's right there on live chat, you know, give your first name, where you're calling from, your topic in question, so I can do a little pre-screening. This caller hasn't done that, so I'm going to try it the old-fashioned way. I'll I'll play a commercial, go off the air briefly, uh, and uh, see what they want. I'll be right back. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, 
you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Okay, this is fascinating. So I'm right back. Uh, we have Robert Spencer on the line. So this is, it was an interview I was told was, was postponed until next week. But uh, listen, any chance I get a chance to talk to Robert Spencer, uh, who I've been watching on One American News. You know, he heads up Jihad Watch. I get his newsletter. Uh, so we're just going to wing it. <laughs> we're going to wing an interview here. Uh, Robert Spencer, welcome to Action Radio. Yeah, good to talk to you, Greg. Sorry about that. They uh, actually did tell me they were going to change it, but then when it showed up on my schedule today, I thought, uh-huh. oh, well, it must be still on. So uh, as it happened, I called, and here we are. Well, I'm sorry to keep you on hold so long. Had I known, <laughs> you know, I mean, because you're not in my, my data bank yet. You're right here in my, my, uh, my phone book, you know, for your interview next week, but that's okay. So I'll tell you what, let's just, we'll do what we do best, improvise. Tell us what, uh, okay. you know, about your book and Jihad Watch, and then uh, uh, I'll have a bunch of shameless questions, but uh, just go for it. Absolutely. Good morning. Yeah, the deal is... Uh, reason why they're scheduling is because I have a new book out called The Sumter Gambit, How the Left Civil War. And that essentially sums up what the book's about right there, that mm-hmm. the left is trying to push us over the brink into a civil war because it's a win-win situation for them. The way they see it is they push and push and push politically, mm-hmm. in the cultural realm, in every way possible. And they're hoping, actually, that patriots are going to fight back because then they can use that as confirmation of everything they're saying about us, that we're traitors, insurrectionists, that we don't believe in our democracy and all this nonsense. So it's a win-win situation. They either win because we don't fight back or they win because we fight back. That's how they see it anyway. This is fascinating um, because uh, you know, we've contended that on the show. I don't know how much of you heard. I guess you heard a few minutes of, of uh, Josie and, and Pianchi talking earlier, but we've lost the word normal. People are afraid to say that, uh, you know, heterosexuality is normal, uh, not because it's better or worse. Well, a lot of people think so, but because it's what most people do. Uh, it's not normal to have drag queens in school. It's not normal to, to pick pronouns. We have an English language. It's uh, a normal marriage is a man and a woman and, uh, you know, sanctioned by God, licensed by the state. So we've lost the ability of normal. People are so terrified of what to say. And this is the one show, I think, where we can say anything we want. Well, there are certain things you can't, you know, you know, threaten public officials and stuff like that or libel, slander, the normal stuff. But as far as anything else goes, this is a place where people can talk. And this is becoming progressively more rare. But we actually talk about things of what is normal and what is not. And the idea of the left trying to start a war, this is why I created Action Radio. I'll tell you about that in, in just a minute. But have we lost the ability to define normal, Robert? You still there? Where'd you go? Am I off the air? Oh, hey, can you hear me now? I can. Did you mute Hello? yourself? <laughs> just asked, yeah, you're I there. I just asked, just, I asked uh, a great question, and there's nothing, nobody there. <laughs> you know, I well, I heard FBI, it all. KGB. I was actually, yeah, you never know with those guys, but I was actually in the <laughs> mid-flight, and uh, I didn't realize I had accidentally hit the mute. Um, yeah, that's okay. They should Welcome mute back. that button. You, know, you have <laughs> the thing by your ear, and it hits the mute. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. this is the, the thing is that this, this is a deliberate effort, Greg, that Mm -hmm. the left wants to shame us into being afraid and intimidated into saying that all of their perversions are normal. And the Mm -hmm. idea is to get us all off balance and unsure of ourselves, discombobulated, 
mm-hmm. unaware, un, unsure of what's, what is normal anymore. And mm-hmm. so we'll accept anything because we're afraid of being called bigots and racists and hate mongers and being deplatformed and suffering professional and personal harm as a result. So I've been deplatformed. I've had my accounts canceled, restricted. We had, uh, especially on COVID, I had the, the, the uh, Dr. Zelenko uh, Action Radio Coronavirus Clearinghouse. Uh, we talked about ivermectin months before everybody else. What separates us here? Why am I fearless? Why is Pianchi and, and Josie, who were on the show earlier, you know, we have a 16-year-old reporter, Brianna Cannon, who does our government inquiry report. She's in the first hour. So when I, uh, I'll be able to send you the podcast. You know, you can find out what, what separates us from them. Why are we fearless and we don't worry about these things? And I've been canceled. I've you know, felt these effects. And my show has suffered drastically. You know, I even have a bill to, to, to fix big tech. But what separates us from them? Why are we not afraid and why is everybody else afraid? What are they afraid of? Well, I think that actually part of it is because we have gone through it and because we have been oh. canceled. We have been silenced. We have been demonized, smeared, marginalized, still standing. Mm-hmm. We're still telling the truth. And so people, I think, when they feel like they got a lot to lose, then mm-hmm. they get cautious and they're more docile and they're more willing to accept the bullying that is coming from the left. But when we have suffered it mm-hmm. and we survive, then what do I got to lose now? What are they going to do? Uh, the, uh, uh, shadow ban me? Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> You know, it's funny. It, it's not a, a, a height thing or a warrior status or a, or a combat veteran thing. I mean, I have people that are, like I say, we have a, you know, a young female, a uh, young adult who is just as fearless as anybody on the show. She's in high school. Uh, she was on earlier in the show. You know, so it's, 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 it's your character. And, and how do we inspire people to reach down to their character and just stop this? What happened to the America that, that stood up? What happened to the America of the protesters? What happened to the, the 60s people that questioned authority? The whole basis of this country is questioning. Where did that all go? Well, Has it been bred out, educated out? What? Yeah. What do you think? It's been okay. educated out, and a lot of that okay. has to do with exactly what you were talking about before with the hmm. other folks you mentioned, that okay. um, people get in, involved in this craziness. You know, they, they convince a man that he's a woman and a woman that she's a man, and they make them think that the only way they can find personal fulfillment is to chase ever more bizarre perversions and strange behaviors, and mm. they end up being going just in the opposite of personal courage and integrity. They end up becoming consumed with their own pleasures, and that's the only thing they're focused on, and they'll do anything to keep them, including sell out, sell out their very souls for it. And so the, the left comes and says, yeah, we'll mm-hmm. affirm you in all this that you're involved in. And they say, great, that's what we're looking for, and we'll give you anything you want in return. It's an addiction, you know. And, and you know what's missing oh, yeah. from all this? Oh, we, yeah. And we talk about this a lot on the show, is, is the idea that uh, the one thing I've noticed when I started Action Radio is how many people come to us with a very strong belief in God, that there is a higher power, that there is a moral code that there's something in our lives beyond us. I mean, I credit God with, with the, the, the incredible amount of ideas that I have on a daily basis. You know? and so, but that common belief uh, makes such a difference. And when you take it out of the schools and you take it out of life and you, you condemn any belief in God, you really sacrifice your freedom. Yes. What do you think? Because, okay. well, you know, God created the world and God yeah. created male and female. That's right at the beginning of the scriptures. And mm-hmm. so you have that. And then you have people who are rejecting that. It's not surprising mm. that if they reject God, then they reject male and female as well. 
and they That's reject the whole creation as it's constituted. They want to remake it in their own image. Hmm. So we were talking addiction just a minute ago. Do you see this as an addiction that ever more pleasure, there's just no limit to it. It's like the Roman orgies. Where do they stop? Yeah, yeah exactly. And okay. it, get, it consumes you. You get caught up in it, and you can't stop because you need more and more, and it has to be wilder and wilder. It's like a drug addiction, you know? They say the hmm. drug addicts, they start with a little bit, and then they need more and more and more as their bodies grow accustomed to having this always in the bloodstream. And so it's the same kind of thing. And then Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's increasingly clear that that was not just some arbitrary statement, but that actually is the way to genuine personal freedom so that you are not enslaved to any of these, any of these things, but you are able to go through life on an even keel. Interesting. So I remember you from Jihad Watch. So how did you get from Jihad Watch to, to the Civil War, and what is it about uh, Islam? That that is it's, such a, a you know a breeding ground for terrorism and, and the, the theocracy the whole control because you know you can't have Jesus and Muhammad at the same time it just, it doesn't work. It's all connected up, Greg. It's, okay, it's, tell me. It's really amazing. The one thing led led me to the other because the more I saw how the left loves Islam, you know, mm-hmm. the left hates Christianity, the left hates Judaism, the left hates Hinduism, but the left hmm. loves Islam. What, what is, is that about interesting? Islam? Yeah, well, that's what I want to know. think about it. <laughs> tell me, tell that, me that, uh, that we're onto something here. This is great. The the left loves Islam because mm-hmm. the left is fundamentally totalitarian. It's authoritarian. They want right. to destroy freedoms. They want to rule with absolute power and control every aspect of our lives. Now, mm-hmm. what religion is the most tending toward authoritarianism? It's Islam. There Islam, has never yeah. been a republic. In, an, in a majority Muslim country, except Turkey, that explicitly rejected political Islam. Islam has this idea of this arbitrary, angry, mean, and full of rules. And there's no love, there's no redemption, there's no forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so you have that, – that's the, the, the very archetype of, an, of a totalitarian, authoritarian ruler. Like Machiavelli said, it's better to be feared than to, love, to be loved. And so Allah is feared. They love that Islam lends itself to authoritarianism, that Muhammad said, obey your ruler, even if he's an Ethiopian with a head like a raisin. People always quote that to say, see, look, Muhammad was a racist. And that may well be. But I think even more important about that passage is that it's saying, do whatever the ruler says. You don't ever have the concept of individual rights where if the ruler is a tyrant, you can overthrow him. That's, a, that's not in Islam. And so you have a bunch of leftists who say, well, we can't stamp out religion. People always will fight for religion. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't destroy it from the human heart. But we can favor one religion and flood the West with people who believe in this religion. And the, it's the religion that, is, that teaches its people to accept whatever the ruler says. And here we are. 
Yeah, that gets to a show I want to do in about a week or so. You know, and I've talked about this before on the show, The Great Replacement. It's not the one the left keeps saying that white people are suddenly going to feel, you know, a horrible fear, you know, when they're surrounded by people that don't look like them. It's a bunch of nonsense. I lived in San Francisco for 30 years. Everybody was a minority. It was wonderful. We had a great time. Um, but uh, the whole point of, of the, the migration of Islam uh, into, you know, it's like the Crusades, you know, have been reversed. And so from all the way up to Sweden, you've got all of Europe you know, is, is, is mass migration of Islam. This country, too, the, the open border, I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, a lot of folks are coming from Islamic countries. You know, a little Somalia up in, in Minnesota. So is that part of this, too, is to flood our country not only with illegals, but uh, Muslim illegals or just Muslims in general? Yeah, okay. very much so. They okay. want to dilute the, the Judeo-Christian character of the country. They mm-hmm. want to replace the people with people who are more willing to accept an authoritarian government and not okay. say, hey, we have rights, we're going to fight back, and mm-hmm. here we go. Here we are. Yeah, I, I want to sort of pursue this great replacement because I'm going to get to the Civil War in a little bit. I'm sort of leading up to that. But if you look at the way the country is now, you know, abortion is for Americans. Uh, the COVID shot, which is killing people like crazy, and we reported on this, um, uh, those are for Americans. Americans that believe in freedom, you know, I don't care what, what race, religion, or, or sex you are, but, you know, anybody that loves freedom, this, is, this seems to be the enemy now. And, and the, the favorite, you know, th- there's a reason that uh, the illegal aliens are not getting COVID shots. You know, you would think that they'd be required crossing the border illegally, you know, would be the first thing they get is a jab in the arm. But that's not happening because they want those people around. And so there's a huge replacement you know, of, of abortion and COVID jabs for Americans uh, and poverty and rewards for anybody that is of, of a subservient, you know, peasant class country or something where people are, are used to being ruled by their government. Yep. Makes sense. And, so that's exactly what the idea is. Yeah. Because okay. these people are globalist, socialist, internationalists. They want a docile population that has no values other than what they give them. And so it's all paved, It's all working, see, in the same direction. You know, this is such an overall scheme, and it's like the last bastions of, of, uh, of help are, are those that are, you know, Jewish, Christian, uh, and I, I, Hindus and Buddhists, you know, I don't care. So, but Islam, like I said, that's where the problem is. But just the idea of resisting, we resist here on the show all the time. Um, I've, we actually, I've created a situation here where we have uh, bills. And I don't know if you remember me. Do you remember meeting me in Washington at the fair conferences about five years ago? I was that guy in the back well, I'm, corner. I'm, I wish I had a better memory. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me uh, give you the, the quick synopsis here. So what we have is a, a – uh, we have the show here at blogstockradio.com slash citizen action, but we also have a citizen legislature at writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And the two big ones right now is one that puts full vaccine product liability on the vaccine makers – uh, and the other one is eliminates big tech censorship, making them liable for, for touching anybody's account, anybody's posts, or arranging the search engines. Now, these are fundamental changes. But just the idea here, our, our, our uh, mission statement, we the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. That is a revolutionary statement. And I just did my first yeah. Substack uh, article uh, uh, yesterday, the, the, talking about that, that this is our revolution, our peaceful revolution. It's fought by computers and radio shows and cell phones and personal meetings. We're all very calm and cool about this, but we are talking about a fundamental revolution where you cannot give your consent to be governed if the people themselves are not writing the laws by which they are governed. That's our revolution. Yep. Great, great point. Absolutely. Okay, feel free to help. <laughs> you spread the word. <laughs> but uh, can we use this to counter what's going on now? 
and, and, and yeah. with the left. What okay. we need is a focus more on issues rather than candidates. And so you're working in exactly the right direction because we have so many candidates and they say all the right things and then they get elected and they betray us. And so what we need to do is start to focus on issues. Actually, ideally, we would have a, a country where people voted on what issues they wanted, on what, pro, what mm. programs they wanted implemented, and then various people would implement them. And if they were not implemented, then they would be removed because this is what the people voted for. And that is the kind of focus we've got to have since we keep getting betrayed by these politicians. Yeah, this is why I've never been a fan of term limits. And I was talking, Pianchi's on the line, too. He's one of my most regular callers. Uh, so, Pianchi, feel free to join us uh, at this point here. Um, but this is some, the term limits, to me, it makes no sense to have, you know, one person for 30 years or six people for 30 years. You know, if they're, if they're corrupt, they're corrupt. You're, you're still not changing the system. So I don't see term limits as an answer. Did you mute yourself again? Yeah, it happened again. Sorry. Um, I remember talking <laughs> Fredo. So, yeah. Yeah, I know it's crazy. But you remember Tom Tancredo, congressman from Colorado, ran for president? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he actually uh, ran on term limits, and then he reneged. And hmm. he explained that you, you're, you're a congressman. You're in Washington for two years. You really can't get anything done, and you right. have to stay longer to get anything done. Now, he was actually a good guy, and what he wanted done was genuine immigration reform and other things that mm-hmm. we still very much need. And so, yeah, I agree uh, 100%. Term limits is not the answer. What we need is our various kinds of safeguards so that this doesn't these, uh, these congressional seats don't become individual sinecures for these people so that they have uh, money flowing in from lobbyists forever. What do you think of the well, idea of of hold on, hold on, Pianchi, just a second. what do you think of the idea of taking away uh, party membership so that people running for office and people serving in office could not belong to a political party? Party can advocate for them and spend money on them, but they can't give money directly. So that there is no hierarchy in Congress, there is no seniority, there is just individuals who are there actually representing people rather than the party, uh, and the votes for for committee chairs are secret. And you wouldn't know who is, or you probably would know for a while, but the party membership would have no meaning. Uh, in the center of the house. Yeah, that sounds great. And also what we need is a prohibition on these people taking any money, any, any, any money other than Mm -hmm. their salary while they're in office so that they can't get a book deal. They can't get huge speaking fees, all these ways that money is laundered in Washington. And (laughs) politicians aid off. You've got to close them all off. They, the congressman makes $174,000 a year. That's what he's going to get. That's it. I would do future jobs, too, so you can't serve as FDA commissioner and then go work for Pfizer, for example. Let's include right. that in here. We're forming a couple of bills here. I'll tell you in a minute. I want to get Pianchi in line. Pianchi, you had a comment or question for, for Robert Spencer? <laughs> the reason why you can't get nothing done to you is because everybody else there is not there to get something done. That's the problem. That's right. We got a congressperson in the first congressional district in St. Louis. I know Dagnon well, and she knew nothing about politics the day before she was elected. She got elected off of BLM and standing in front of excited people with a bullhorn. And it would be. So she do two terms, and she's going to get $174,000 a year in pension. That's totally ridiculous. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's right. And another thing Credo told me, it backs mm-hmm. up what you're saying, that uh, he came into office thinking that he was going to have allies in the Republican Party to fight illegal immigration. And he pretty quickly found out that Republicans liked illegal immigration because they liked cheap labor. He was showing a film that he had made of people streaming across the border. He was showing it at the Republican caucus, and he said there were 200 congressmen there when the film started, five-minute little film clips, and at the end of five minutes, there were about three people left in the room. Oh, wow. That's scary. See, now I have an answer for that, too. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm just saying they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to see it. They did not want to deal with the issues. See, now we can actually deal with it at the local and state level. And this is something Pianchi and I have talked about. Uh, civil asset forfeiture. And so I have a bill that I wrote for Santa Rosa County, Florida, where I am. I'm here in Milton uh, near Pensacola. Pianchi's up in, uh, around St. Louis, Missouri, or New Orleans. I'm not sure which today. Um, but the point is that the locals, see, everybody says that the, only the federal government can handle immigration. That's not true first of all. But secondly, civil asset forfeiture. If you find illegal aliens in, in your, your town, you know, local law enforcement can seize their stuff. You can seize the companies that they work for. You know, the state can seize bank accounts, you know, credit cards. They can see, you know, seize stuff from NGOs like uh, Catholic Charities. Anybody that's helping illegal aliens, we can handle this at the local and the state level and the county level. It's just not being done. But if you use civil asset forfeiture, which is a local state law enforcement procedure, you know, they do it for drug dealers. You know, you can do it for illegal aliens. We can solve this problem ourselves. We don't need the federal government. Yep. What do you think? But it's not being done because people are profiting from it. No, and that's so true. as long as that's true, it's nothing's going well, to be done. We get, we, but I, think, I don't think the locals are profiting from it. Maybe big business and maybe the contributions to Congress. Right. The, the locals are suffering it, but they don't have yeah. the power to stop it. Well, what if we start – what if we we'll just take our county here, Santa Rosa County, and I'm actually having trouble getting this bill to our, our county commissioners. You would think in a conservative place like Santa Rosa, which is up in the, in the panhandle, we're the conservative corner of Florida. You know, you would think that this would have been, you know, immediately gone through, but it's not. So there's something going on with government. The government's getting something for, for being of the illegals here because the people do not want illegal aliens. You know? Oh, absolutely. So something's, but, yeah, yeah, the representatives okay. are profiting in some way. Somebody's hmm. paying them off. Okay. Well, let's get back to your book. I want to know how this war is going to be waged. How do you think it's going to start? And how do you think the sides are going to line up? Who, you know, tell me about it. Well, we can hope that there's not a shooting war. It could happen that there is, but we can hope that there's not. And people don't, on our side don't generally understand this because they say – I've had so many people say to me, uh, if it comes to a shooting war, we've got nothing to worry about because we have the guns – and we have the real men, and they have a bunch of soy boys who don't believe in guns. And that's true, but they also have the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. And don't, we shouldn't kid ourselves that everybody in the U.S. military is going to stream out and say, I won't fight American citizens. We've seen that with police. The police have, in all too many areas have not hesitated to act on behalf of the, of the left, even these corrupt leaders. We've seen mm-hmm. pro-life activists being brutalized by SWAT teams at their houses and Roger Stone, 70-something-year-old man, getting handcuffed and taken away like he's a violent criminal. And uh, this indicates that we do have altogether too many police officers and people on that level who are willing to do whatever they're told to do, even if they're told to do it by corrupt leftist authoritarians. 
And so it could be very hairy, and we can hope it doesn't come to that. What we need to do is keep up the pressure on every front and continue to challenge their lies and their distortions on every front. Now, this seems elementary to say, but this, mm-hmm. is, not, this, this is not happening. You know, mm. we have so many people who are ostensibly on our side who play along with the left's lies and propaganda. People in Washington, on our side, supposedly, Kevin McCarthy, Ted Cruz, people like oh. that. McCarthy's <laughs> not on our side. That, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 who 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 accepted the January 6th insurrection nonsense. And this, this is, plays into the hands of the left. Anybody who does that ought to be immediately disqualified from any support from genuine patriots. Now, people like Kevin McCarthy and Ted Cruz, a lot of people know. But it's, there's so many, and even people like Nikki Haley, who has a lot of support on the right because of her strong stand at the United Nations during the Trump administration, she mm-hmm. signed on to the Charlottesville business, the lies about Trump saying that the Nazis were good people. And, and nobody like that should be given any, any quarter at all uh, in terms of support from, from patriots. Well, let's talk about January 6th, because this fascinates me. The, uh, we, we think of, uh, well, I say we, me, uh, thinks of Mike Pence as the ultimate traitor. Uh, the fact that, in fact, I have Chris and Bob coming on the show Thursday, and I want to talk to her about this, too. There are, there are seven states' worth of, of Trump electors out there that are still viable. Uh, we have crossed uh, the January 20th uh, deadline in the, in the 22nd Amendment that says if you serve less than two years of a term, it doesn't count as a term. So Trump is eligible to take office today and still run in 2024, according to my reading of the 22nd Amendment. But the real, the real danger of this is the fact that uh, the coup was not what happened above ground. The coup is what we think is what happened underground. And there's no record of this in the congressional record. There's not a word about it. But Congress is meeting for about seven or eight hours under the Capitol while people were taking selfies and walking around, you know, uh, with their statues. And and, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and and FBI operatives were creating violence. And Ashley Babbitt got killed. Um, There's another woman that got killed outside, too. But the point is, what happened under the Capitol? Um, I call it the talk. And the talk was, you will support the Brandon electors. You will not vote for the Trump electors, and we're going to get this business over with, and, and this is our peaceful transfer of power. Well, there's nothing peaceful about it. I think a lot of arms were twisted under the Capitol. Do you have any insight from the folks you talked to about what really happened under the Capitol January 6th? I don't have that, but I do have the observation that Mike Pence a couple days before January 6th said, we're going to have justice on January 6th. And we're going to have the true results, and every vote will be counted, and so on. Well, what mm. happened? I That's suddenly interesting quote. turn around. Well, what yeah, did he know? It, it, he must have I'm known. Well, he had... I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. But he, yeah, he must have known something. It was very mm-hmm. clear that he was saying that there would be justice for the Trump supporters on January 6th. And then when it came to January 6th, he suddenly, without any explanation, flip-flopped and said there was nothing he could do. So what did they say to him? What do they have on him? What did they get to him with? That's what I would like to know. Yeah, see, I think they talked to him before that. I think, I think when he says there was justice for the Trump supporters, he, he was saying they're all going to be arrested and thrown in, in the D.C. gulag, a term that I'm glad everybody's picking up. But well, let me get, what I think. The, uh, let me get the exact quote because I'm paraphrasing. Okay. It'll take no, me a minute right. to find. But uh, yeah. uh, go ahead. we got the rest going. of the hour. I'll, I'll this is great. We're talking. This is the first time I've ever winged an interview um, like this. I love it. <laughs> it's fun. Maybe this is it. 
Oh, it's okay. Span though. That's not to give me a transcript. I'm just looking mm-hmm. around now for. Uh, oh, I promise. Here it is. Um, I promise you, come this Wednesday, we will have our day in Congress. We. That's what he said. We. That's yeah. He, Who's we? I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities, and I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. Now that sounds to me unmistakably like he's saying. There were voter irregularities, and we're going to talk about them in Congress on the 6th. But he did not. He just waved them away. This is fascinating. I read it completely differently. I read it completely the opposite. He's saying that we, we the power structure, we the deep state, we the the, uh, allegiance to the globalists, we will have our day, and we're going to put those Trump supporters, we're going to give those Trump supporters justice. Mm-hmm. But if that okay, but if that interpretation were right, wouldn't why does he say I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voter irregularities? See, he, he's he's siding with the millions of Americans that have voter who are concerned about voter irregularities and saying they'll have their day in Congress. Yep, no, I think you're right. You know, I, just, I, I don't see it that way, though. I just, I still think he's he he's been an operative. I think he made the Faustian bargain that he was he's going to get the Republican nomination from the deep state. Uh, for 2024, and this was his price was to keep Trump out of uh, out of his second term. I think that's the bargain he made. Interesting. Well, that may well be. Pianki, did you have a comment? Well, you know, you got, you Go got two things that's going on there. One, you know, we, we we got a law where the federal ballot should be separate from state and local candidates. Candidates for the federal government should run on a ballot that has been approved, vetted, set the uh, requirements for people who vote for the federal candidates. Then let the states and local community have whatever the heck they want. Then the next big problem is that the federal government gets its powers from the states. State legislatures aren't doing what they should be doing. If they were, then the deal with the Trump ballots wouldn't have been going on as long as they are. Yeah, Pianchi raises two issues. We've talked about this before. Pianchi's written a couple of bills for us. One of them is that he separates the ballots so that there's a federal ballot and a state ballot. And, and one of the big reasons is that all the illegals that are here in this country, you know, they get their driver's license illegal, especially in places like California with motor voter. Uh, they're voting not only in the state and local elections, but the, the federal offices are on that same ballot. So Pianchi's thought, and I agree with it, if you separate the ballots, that's, it's, and there should be maybe two different checks or voting on different days, you know, for state office versus federal office, we'd have a lot more secure election. What do you think of that? Yeah, I love that. That sounds good. Okay. All these things need to be done all at once. Well, we do. We got and the bills. We actually yeah. write them here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a text after the show uh, just so you know it's me and so we can contact and exchange emails and things like that. I don't do that over the air. Um, but um, but that's the, you know, I'd love to get back in touch with you because there's so many ideas. You know, I end up screaming at my TV when you're on One American News, I want to tell you this, you know, so it's good to have you here. <laughs> uh, the second one that Pianchi talks about is the power of the states. And we, we refer to states as actual countries and think of them as countries. You know, it'd be nice to be able to call ourselves the United Nations, uh, but that's already been taken. So do you, do you see, as we see, that one of the big problems is that the states themselves have completely abrogated their authority. They, you know, the, the states should have decertified Brandon, especially Arizona, you know, January 21st. <laughs> you know, so, oh, or even yeah. or back in December yeah. of 2020. So, so what aren't the states doing? That they well, should this be is doing. what the the United States was, uh, or were really um, the uh, hmm. it was the United Nations. That's what the founders meant by states, and that's very clearly what the what what kind of federal government they envisioned. 
And uh, unfortunately, there's been this tendency towards centralization for so long now that the states have lost a sense of their own identity. But you go back to the Civil War, and Mm -hmm. you have somebody like Robert E. Lee, who's been, of course, completely demonized nowadays. He was Mm -hmm. actually not pro-slavery, and he actually said that if he could keep the union together, he would free every slave if it would do it. Uh, But when Virginia seceded, he said he had to be loyal to Virginia and fight for Virginia. He thought of Virginia as his country, Hmm. and that's why he went on the other side. And there were lots of people in the Union as well who thought – didn't think they were fighting for the United States. They thought they were fighting for Ohio or uh, Pennsylvania or whatever. And Hmm. this has been completely lost, uh, actually because of, in part, the way the Civil War turned out. There was a tremendous overemphasis on federalism after it and a de-emphasis on the rights of the states because the rights of the states was considered to be one of the primary sources of the problem. Fascinating. Uh, Whereas I think it's a solution. Was there ever a time when there were maybe not actual state certification or state citizenship, but people really did think, uh, were there any kind of like rituals or titles or, or anything that, that, that you were, first of all, a citizen of your state and then a citizen of, of the nation, whereas now it's like U.S. citizenship, you know, and then according to the 14th Amendment, uh, we're also a citizen of the state and where we reside. Was it ever, you know, tell me more about this. I'm, this is the first I'm hearing of this, how strong the state Yeah, before the Civil was. War, that was pretty much taken for granted all over the country. Interesting. That you were a citizen of the state and secondarily a citizen of the United States. Uh, the, loyal, the first loyalty was to the states, and the United States was considered to be a compact between mm-hmm. individual states. Now, this is the idea that led to the, to the secession and the Civil War because, of course, the, the southern states acting upon this idea said, well, we're leaving this particular compact. It would be like Britain in Brexit, leaving the European Union. Mm, and then in losing the war, this, was, this, this is actually a constitutional question that has never been settled. All, mm-hmm. all, uh, I mean, it was settled by the force of arms. And so there's a de facto settlement, but there's never been any actual clear explanation in the Constitution. There's nothing in the Constitution about secession, about whether a state can actually lawfully leave the United States. Now, it would seem that since well, it wouldn't the South be in the Constitution. Civil War that there isn't, but yeah, well, but it, yeah. But it wouldn't be wouldn't, because the, any case, uh, well, I was just thinking the Constitution is written by the states. Uh, the states ratified the Constitution to limit the federal government. So why would the states put something into the Constitution, uh, a right that they, of course, thought they had, being independent you know, nations? And when you think of states, you think of like, you know, like Athens, a city-state. You know, so if these, if these states consider themselves independent nations, why would they think to, give the, to even have the question of, of the federal government you know, having any power over them to secede or not secede? That wouldn't be something to think about. Does that make sense? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But, uh, hmm. I mean, I suppose it depends on what kind of thing they thought they were getting into. And these are, these are questions that have been argued for two centuries now. Because is it like a marriage, you know? And when you enter into a Christian marriage, at very least, you don't have uh, an idea of how it's going to break up. But a lot of modern-day non-Christian marriages, the people sign a prenuptial agreement 
where they divide up what what they're how they're going to separate their assets once they divorce and it's kind of taken for granted that it's going to be a temporary thing and so uh that might be a poison some people would argue that that's a poison pill you can't put that really legitimately into a marriage you're dooming it to destruction and you could say the same thing about the constitution that they didn't have a clause saying if you want to leave, you can leave because then people were going to leave. <laughs> oh, I see. Saying, yeah, so the uh, they could have said that there shall be no restriction. Uh, the federal government shall not have the power to restrict states from seceding from the, you know, from the United States. Yeah, that's actually, state I think about to that. Leave this compact, then they can leave. But yeah. see, this is a, we're getting to the real heart of the paradox that okay. Abraham Lincoln said in Gettysburg that they were fighting so that government of the people, by the people, and for the people would not perish from the earth. And the southern states could very easily have responded, well, what's, where's our right to government of the people, by the people, and for the people? We wanted to have this other kind of government, and you were violently preventing us from doing so. But Lincoln could then respond that the minority has to stay in the, in the compact or you don't really have representative government at all, and it's going to atomize into anarchy. And so this is the difficulty, that the minority has to remain loyal. The mm -hmm. problem we have now in the United States, however, is that the majority, or at least the, the group with all the power, wants to coerce the minority and destroy its, its character and destroy, itself, destroy it as such and incorporate it into the majority. And so what is the minority going to do now? It has to assert itself, or it will lose its identity altogether. No, I agree with you. It's like we're still fighting the Civil War, but instead of on a, on a political, yeah. on, a, on a national level, we're actually fighting on an ideological level, which is my next question. Uh, but that's the whole difference between a Republican and a democracy. See, I don't use the word democracy on the show. I also don't use words like President yeah. Biden or Biden administration because that's not proven to be true yet. In fact, just the opposite. So if you, if you think of, of us as a republic, in Article 4, Section 4 says very clearly that the states, uh, the, the federal government shall guarantee to these states as part of their contract a republican form of government. Therefore, democracy can't exist legally in the United States. The majority can't outvote the individual rights of the, of the individual, the smallest minority there is, the individual still has rights that preclude the majority from ever affecting them simply because that's the definition of a republic. Based on individual rights, a limited government, a constitution specifically restricting federal governments and state governments. So, so it, this is a reversal of everything that, that we hold true and sacred is what the left is doing. But maybe I'm repeating yeah. myself. Okay. No, that's why Tell they me. call it our democracy. They're always yeah. uh, saying that because they hate the republic and they want to destroy the republic. Uh, they, they don't believe in a republic. And so they want to confuse people, and all these miseducated young people are easily mm -hmm. confused into thinking that we have a straight democracy where it's just essentially mob rule and they're the mob. You know, it's fascinating. We talk about uh, all the time on this show, assumptions are stronger than truth. Uh, some of the big ones that uh, the Supreme Court can interpret the Constitution. That's a bunch of nonsense, you know, that they can make policy and law. Uh, how does the Supreme Court fit into this, into, into our, our, our potential uh, civil war that the left wants to wage here? Are they going to use the court? Even more oh, they very much now? want to use the court. The court okay. is an obstacle to them right now because it has a, a, a conservative majority. 
and that's why we they, we hear them talking about packing the court, about adding justices, about putting a retirement age in, because they want to get these guys out, and the court then would destroy our freedoms altogether. This is what the left wants to do, that right now we can say, well, you know, they can't destroy the freedom of speech. They can't destroy the right to bear arms. They can't destroy our other freedoms because the Supreme Court will stop them. But once the Supreme Court is in their corner, then some free speech case comes up and they rule, oh, hate speech is not free speech. You know, hate speech is this concept they made up to mm-hmm. demonize and stigmatize and silence speech that they don't like. And so the leftist court rules that the hate speech has no First Amendment protection, and then they can prescribe, they can forbid speech all they want, and we can't do anything about it. Hmm. Well, so, can I get that point? Then I'm going to get back to Robert's book. Yeah. It's, it's the states, and that's a simple solution for that. We have one or two states that's nullified and tell the Supreme Court we ain't going to do it. There you go again. We're not going to do it. Nullified. In 1930, South mm-hmm. Carolina nullified a law that uh, the Jackson, Andrew Jackson administration had passed. And Jackson actually threatened to send troops to South Carolina if they did not back down. And South Carolina backed down. That's but right. uh, here again, we have a question that was settled by might makes right by the strength of the federal military rather Mm -hmm. than by an actual uh, consideration of the legal issues and constitutional issues involved. And so can a state nullify a federal law? Well, now they're doing it de facto all over the place, you know, and the, the federal government doesn't say a thing. When you have immigration laws and the, the state's, say, no, this is a sanctuary city or sanctuary state or whatever. And Mm -hmm. the federal government, because they all are made, it's all made up of people that agree with them. They do nothing. And so functionally we have nullification, but only for the left. Well, you know, here's the thing you had in, 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 uh, Illinois with Pritchett on the gun ban and sheriff said, we're not going to enforce that law. That right there on the lowest scale is a nullification. But the federal government gets its power from the states. Federal government yep. has no policing powers. What are they going to tell you? We're not going to give you uh, your share of revenue? So when the states can say, well, we're not going to give you money where you can hold our share of the revenue. I mean, states got the power, but they don't use it. There you go. Yeah. Let's get back to your book here. I want to make sure that uh, I've covered everything because, I, honestly, I haven't had a chance to review it because I didn't expect you this morning. So – Anything we should be covering, let's get contact information where people can buy your book and uh, and find out uh, more stuff. Like I say, I'll be contacting you after the show because I want to continue more. This is fascinating. Uh, so what have we not covered that we should be covering? Well, the book is called The Sumter Gambit, How the Left is Trying to Foment a Civil War. It's available now at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever there are books sold or should be available anyway. And it is an overview of what the left is really trying to do altogether. Most of the time on the right, we are focused on particular issues, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, particular symptoms of the larger problem. But the book is about what the larger problem is, what the real illness is that we face in the republic today and what we can do about it. 
And so uh, that's really the idea. It's, it's, it's a lot worse than most people think, but at the same time, there are people who are awakening to the threat all over the country, and there are a lot of reasons for hope. Well, tell me about those. Where, where, where's, some of the, where's the best resistance, and what can I learn from that for my own show here and, and our, our citizen legislature? Grassroots people, people on the, on the local level who are mm-hmm. dealing with, for one thing, the cultural revolution on a local level with their own children. When they're, they send their children to the local public school and there's some drag queen there uh, doing pornographic dancing and so on, and mm-hmm. we've had parents go to the school board meetings and protest and say they don't want this LGBTQ literature pushed on their children in the public schools, and they don't want drag queens in the classrooms and so on. And, uh, of course, the Biden administration being a uh, – the Biden regime, if you prefer, being a, a, <laughs> an authoritarian, anti-American entity, yeah. they actually uh, started terror investigations in the FBI against these parents. Uh, but the parents have not given up, and that's all to their credit because we cannot allow ourselves to be intimidated, uh, and, and, and we have to stand up and have some courage in regard mm-hmm. to uh, these kinds of responses from the feds because they're going to keep trying to do this and to frighten us into submission. But it's a very great sign of hope that we have parents who are standing up who are not allowing this to be done unchallenged. Let me ask you a bigger question then. Um, When COVID broke out and they closed the schools, I said, great, leave them closed, sell the buildings, fire all the teachers, completely destroy the public education system, and let's rebuild a new one based on on private education, on on school choice, on vouchers from all the money that's collected for education. We could have done that. Of course, nobody ever thought it was crazy. It's like, no. And of course, now that the schools are back doing what they did before, people are like, oh, that was a good idea. So can we have a free society if government educates children? That's the big question. No. No, absolutely. And so uh, parents need to take their children out of these schools uh, everywhere possible and start our own alternative schools or homeschool. But um, the idea that this government with its (laughs) radical leftist, communist, amoral agenda is going to treat our children properly, well, that's fantasy. Yeah. How do you make a leftist? How do you turn a perfectly normal, healthy baby into a leftist? What, what, what's, the, what's the procedure? Is it parental, family, environment, media, everything? How do you make a leftist? Yeah, it's really everything. It's really hard. There's, okay. there's no doubt that there are parents who've had the best of intentions, who are uh, good Christians, who are uh, patriotic Americans, and they've seen their children taken by this because it's everywhere. You know, you mm-hmm. can... Uh, I I don't mean to be completely depressing, but you can take your children out of the schools. You can do everything that I was just recommending, and Mm -hmm. the culture can still get you. You know, even if your kid has a phone, who knows what he's looking at, and you can take the phone away except when he needs it so you can contact him somewhere or something like that, Mm -hmm. and it'll still get – it can still get through and be a corrupting influence. The, the culture is all pervasive, and so we, you know, we have to do the best that we can. But the way that children are corrupted in this regard is that uh, they get it in the schools, they get it in entertainment, they get it in uh, the movies that they watch and the TV shows everywhere. 
You know, it's interesting that Hollywood is big on, on talking about the underdog, you know, against the oppressive government, uh, the Hunger Games. You know, my favorite film, V for Vendetta. All these, in fact, V for Vendetta pretty much explained the whole COVID epidemic, you know, about eight years before it came out. Uh, so the, the evidence, but yet Hollywood supports the, the establishment. This supports the regime, supports the, the status quo and the authoritarian government. It's an interesting contradiction. Yeah, when they make films like that, they think that they are talking about evil Trump and his evil supporters. They think that's the authoritarian threat. I mean, there are people who actually believe that Trump is a threat to, quote, our democracy, you know, and that there was an insurrection against our democracy on January 6th. And there are people mm-hmm. who really actually seriously believe this because they've been so thoroughly indoctrinated. Well, how about... Uh, I remember we, I've talked about mass psychosis before, and the, the three ways you combat mass psychosis, truth, ridicule, and parallel structures. Action radio is a parallel structure. We're a parallel legislature uh, of citizens writing the bills that Congress can't, particularly vaccine product liability. I've got another bill that you're going to love that's a total disarmament of uh, 287,000 federal bureaucrats because the Constitution doesn't have a provision for arming uh, bureaucrats, only the military. <laughs> you know, so, so that's the kind of thing. So we come up with the bills that they can't write. So that's our parallel structure. Truth is what we try and talk about here, and you and I and everybody else tries to get truth. But the one that I think we need to do more of is ridicule. Make fun of these people. People, ever since Brandon, the word Brandon came out, uh, I think the power of ridicule is underestimated uh, in our fight against the left. We just need to make more, yeah. more fun of them. You know, yeah, you're right. Them with I mask. wish I were a funnier guy because I would be doing <laughs> it. But I completely agree that was with funny. you. Well, that's good. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah. I, I completely agree with you in principle that mm-hmm. um, they, that ridicule is a powerful force. You know who said that is Saul Alinsky. And the oh, left uses it a lot. But yeah. uh, we don't fight back. And I, I do as much as I can, mm-hmm. but I'm not that funny a guy, like I said. And uh, we need people <laughs> oh, gosh, who really are who can do this. Well, I, I, I'm debating um, to playing something for you because I did a bunch of sarcastic uh, uh, political pieces during the, the lockdown because I was bored and nothing was open. Um, we've got about three minutes left. Do you have maybe four minutes so we can play you a two-minute thing and then we can uh, talk for two minutes? Okay, let's do it. All right, here we go. Hello, America. Looks like millions of you are in states where the governor dictator has said that food is essential, but God is not. Fortunately, we have a solution for you. We've combined your essential food shopping with a non-essential religious experience. Being in the same building and being completely intertwined, you can't do one without the other. Welcome to the New Normal Church and Grocery Store. Yes, the New Normal Church and Grocery Store is the first business of its kind to bring God conveniently into your food shopping aisle. Think of this as food for your body and food for your soul. No social distance or group size restrictions here. Upon entering the new normal church and grocery store, you will pick up your shopping cart. You can then choose from an optional mask with a star of David, a cross, a crescent moon, a sun for you Shintos, a statue of Buddha, and for you agnostics, a question mark. Headsets are available to place sermons throughout your shopping experience. Some of the favorites include, I'm going to heaven and you're not, die infidel die, oi, what not to say during the bris, and that butterfly may be your grandfather. To orient you to the store, the Kosher Jewish Deli is by the Western Wall. A simple shalom gets you service, but be prepared to haggle. For you Muslims, out of courtesy, we put the halal butcher by the Eastern Wall. Sharia store policies require the wearing of both a burqa and a mask, just to be safe. Protestants will find the Wonder Bread, hot dogs, and steak in the central aisles, where all the best-dressed customers can also be found. 
When you notice the smell of incense, you are nearing the Buddhist section, which is all vegetarian. For Catholics, communion is available in the bakery department by the wafers near the red wine section. Agnostics should go directly to customer service because you folks have no idea what you want anyway. Be sure to offer your confessional to the checker on the way out if you so choose. Please don't forget to first pull down the blind on the plexiglass screen. And if you require ministering, you can talk to your bagger as they push your groceries to your car because all our baggers are cross-trained in theology. The New Normal Church and Grocery Store, your combination alternatives to the separation of church by the state. That's my answer. <laughs> what do you think? Nice. Very nice. Very clever. The uh, It's a target-rich environment when you're talking about the uh, the whole COVID madness. And so I commend you, sir. Well, thank you. I just I just think that more ridicule is better. So any other ways we can fight back? You know, we, we have, we're a lot a little overtime here on, on Block Talk, so I've got a few minutes if, if, you, uh, if you have some. But what anything else we could be doing or should be doing or uh, – you know, to, to prevent this war. I don't want, that's why I started action radio. Cause I figured, you know, if people think it's only, you know, uh, ballots or bullets, you know, um, bills, this is my alternative. And so I'm, I'm right there with you that we need to start talking. No, every last and, which way we have to fight back. We have to fight okay. back wherever we are in any way possible in any situation where it comes up, we have to all become activists. There is no more room for people to think, well, somebody else is going to handle this for me. Nobody's going to okay. do it for us. If we're going to save freedom, every last American has to be out there fighting. These are the times that try, try men's souls once again. And so uh, those who are willing to stand up, the more of them, the, the more of them, the better. And because human beings are an imitative species, that will lead to more standing up. And the more resistance that they encounter, the less likely they are to succeed. Interesting. Um, is it like a guidebook, like a resistance guidebook, or, or where do people go? Are there resources? Are the, well, tell, let's talk about Jihad Watch and, and the, the information that you provide all the time, too. So, so where, where can people find out how to be better resistors? Well, that really comes up in each individual situation. Like I okay. have a guy who sends me articles about the Council on American-Islamic Relations that he writes. He watches he, – he has some sort of a subscription to – to uh, uh, establishment media news outlets. I don't know where, how he does it, but he finds whenever CARE is on TV and writes about it and puts it, I put it up at Jihad Watch, the idea is to show this is the kind of propaganda you're getting on the news, and this is how you should be alert to how you're being deceived and manipulated. And, that's, and he's just some guy who does this in his spare time. Um, this is the kind of thing that I mean, that it, whatever resources you have, whatever access you have, whatever kind of influence you have, whatever time you have, you need to start thinking, what, how can I defend freedom today? Because nobody else is going to be doing it. And so Jihad Watch is a news site I started actually 20 years ago to report on jihad activity. Now we also report on the left's encroachments on our freedoms, and it's all there at jihadwatch.org. Do you have a sub uh, Substack article that you also write or anything else you do? I don't have a Substack. I hope to start one eventually, but there's uh, so many things to do, you know? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm starting a new, a new, completely new style of broadcasting. Uh, this, is, this is Action Radio, which I hope will replace talk radio as talk show hosts become action radio hosts and actually work with their audiences, you know, sponsoring legislation. 
That's my goal. Um, yeah. You said something. Good. One more. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. No, that's all. I was just saying good. That that's a that's a great idea. That's a great thing to be doing. I hope more will follow you. I hope so, too. Well, I've got an idea for you. If you want to write a, a bill, uh, you said something really fascinating earlier. This is the last point I want to let you go here. Um, I don't want to keep you too long, even though we have overtime. Uh, issues-based elections, you said that. Would, would you yeah. be interested in actually drafting a bill on that? Uh, can we explore yeah, that I, further? I don't know how to draft a bill, but we can talk about that. Well, I can tell you that. Just um, go to writeyourlaws.com. So there's that's our website, writeyourlaws.com. And with W R I T E, uh, and you can you can email me Greg at writeyourlaws.com, and it tells you how to write a bill. There's there's three parts to a bill for for citizen legislation. You have an introduction, you know why you're doing it. You post the old law. If there's an old law that you're changing, and you you post the new law, the amended uh, parts to the law. Or if you're coming up with a completely new law, then we do that. Uh, so we'd have to find the federal election codes, and we'd have to go find where we would put an issues-based election. That's how we do it. Yes. Easy well, peasy. okay, I'm all for it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. just imagine if you went into the voting booth and instead of voting for this guy or that guy, you vote for mm-hmm. pro-life, you vote for uh, a flat tax or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and then the people who are actually in the offices are bound to follow what the mm-hmm. people voted for. Yeah. What if we do it on the midterm years uh, that we have an issues-based election? You know, 100 issues, yep. you know, vote for them or, or just pick five of the most important. And that determines what, you know, what Congress does. And then, of course, you have an election two years later for a president and a new Congress. I think yep. we're onto something here. I think, I think you've got a brilliant idea. I think we just need to explore it more. Fantastic. Let's do it. Okay. I'm done. Pianki, do you have a last uh, question or, or something? Because or, uh, then we have to let Robert go. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. You're asking the, the uh, gentleman the, there. Yes. My colleague, yeah. No, uh, I'm telling him is, uh, good luck. We'll meet <laughs> again. Thank you very much. And, and look at you. Absolutely. Watch. Sir, thank you so much for calling and waiting on hold because, uh, and like I say, I think we made the best of, of the fact that, uh, you know, I didn't know you were calling. And, uh, and now that I have, you know, got your number, I'll recognize it next time. I'll put it in the log. Thank you, Robert. Worked Spencer. out great. Thank you, you very much. You take care. All right. Bye now. This has been way too much fun today. <laughs> I had no idea. So you're talking about, I literally did wing that interview. I had, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've known, well, not completely, because I do read Jihad Watch. I do know of Robert Spencer. We did meet five years ago, uh, maybe six years ago now. Yes, six, eh, five and a half. Uh, and so I am familiar with his work. So, but uh, this is a nice thing about having the issues at your disposal. You're able to do this kind of stuff. I haven't played any of my, my normal announcements or things like that. I'm going to do that now. So let me announce that uh, our, our regular site, the one you're listening to, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Uh, our, our legislative website I just mentioned, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And, and our, our contribution site, givesendgo.com slash action radio, givesendgo.com slash action radio. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And uh, Bill Fecky's off for a little while. So we, we see, I might find another person to uh, take over that spot. But uh, yeah, back at 7 a.m. So I've got a few announcements to play, a musical selection, and I will see you all tomorrow. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. 
So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. Conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people, 
give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.